Wakey, wakey. Championship game, bakey. Doesn't get much bigger than this, Larry. Good morning. How are you, pal? Man, I'm fired up, feeling good. Going to stream three times today and bring it. Let's go. It is NFC Championship game weekend. Uh, my day is booked. I'm up. I've got a stream with you, a stream with Chase Sr. at 1045. Coach Yak is going to join me at 2 p.m., one of my favorites as well. And then I'm off to Costco for the shopping trip that has been put off for an entire week due to me being too busy. We talked about this Costco trip last wake up. So it yeah, never happened. It's long, it's long overdue. And Larry, if we're talking about what's long overdue, how about a Super Bowl appearance for the San Francisco 49ers? You know, you and I are both realists. We're optimists, I think. We try to uh, uh, present our content in the light of reality. And the reality is getting to this many championship games in a row is, a, is, is an incredible accomplishment in itself. It truly is. To think that your season, year after year after year, doesn't even begin until the NFC Championship game, it's a, it's, a, it's a place of arrogance. But 49er fans have been allowed the arrogance of that feeling because it's been fact. And here they are again, another NFC Championship game, and it's got to be more than that this time. You do not want to officially become and look, you know, even though there'll be guys like you and me pushing back on the narrative that he's not a good coach if he hasn't won at all, the can't-win-the-big-one moniker, I mean, gets stamped on Kyle's forehead if he doesn't at least win on Sunday and reach the Super Bowl. He's got to get it. He cannot be the guy who continues to have really good season after really good season stall out in the NFC Conference Championship game. No question. I mean, it's just the way it is. And um, bottom line on this thing is the Lions win or lose on Sunday have had a great year. The 49ers cannot say the same. The 49ers need this win to make this a good year. And, um, you know, I, I like the 49ers to win it. Um, I really do. Um, I think that people, I don't think this game's going to be the the ugly, grinded out, um, you know, torture fest that the Green Bay divisional round was. I think this game's going to be a better game. I think Brock Purdy's going to bounce back, better conditions. Um, and Detroit's pass defense is not going to be able to stand up. I think Debo's going to play and play well. Um, I think the Niners are going to slide their protection to, to Aiden Hutchinson on the offensive side. And I think they're going to slide their, they're going to tilt their coverage on the defensive side towards, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think the Niners are going to escape victorious. I hope you're right. And I think you're right. And an awful lot of the matchups and things you just circled are, the way I've been handicapping this and looking at this all week long too. But I really don't care if it's a comfortable win, if it's a nail biter, it doesn't matter how good the 49ers look. There are no style points at this portion of the beauty contest. And they just have to make sure that they're the team that's going to Las Vegas when this game is over or look, I mean, it really is. It's a world of shit, Larry. It's 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 just a place that this team does not want to find itself again. To have lost back-to-back -back NFC Championship games on the road is one thing. To have finally won the right to host it back and still not make the Super Bowl, 
Look, there's nothing that's going to question whether or not it's Kyle Shanahan's job. This is his job, win or lose. I think Brock Purdy is the quarterback, win or lose. But the tone, the optimism, the feel good just comes to a crashing halt. And it essentially neuters next year before it gets here. The 49ers will officially become the team that lives in the it doesn't matter what your regular season success is. It just doesn't matter anymore. You are false prophets until proven otherwise in the postseason. So I just, I hope, I hope that we can avoid that. That's a world that I don't want to live in. I really don't. I want to live in a world where the 49ers have finally rung the bell that we've all said, hey, they're standing on the front porch. They're about to ring the bell. I mean, you know, the 49ers are built to win right now. Detroit is a little bit ahead of their time. Um, to me, one of the main things I like about this game is the experience factor. The Niners have been to four of the last five NFC championship games, including the last three in a row. Detroit hasn't been in this spot since 1991. There's not one guy, one coach, one anything in their organization that's been in this moment before. The Niners have been in this moment repeatedly. Um, I think it's a major advantage. And then the way these the way, you know how you know how you know how they're spinning that in Detroit. These guys have been in this moment before, and they always gag on it. That's what they do. This is new to us. We don't even know what success or failure tastes like right now, and that's good. I mean, that's how they're spinning this in Detroit. What they don't know about the pressure of this game is the reason why they'll win it, and what the Niners do know about the pressure of this game is the reason why they'll drown in it. You know, the 81 Niners had no championship experience, and the Cowboys rolled in with tons of it, and we all know how that went. But um, I really believe that this Detroit team is coming, but they're not here yet. I This reminds me an awful lot, Damon. I mentioned this on a stream the other day. It reminds me a lot of a team that you, I'm sure, are familiar with, and that was the 80, 84, not 85, the 84 Chicago Bears who went to Dallas in the playoffs and beat them like 44 to 3 or whatever and rolled into the NFC Championship game looking like they had all the momentum in the world only to be shut down and shut out by Joe Montana because that was the Niners in their moment and the Bears a little bit before their moment. And that's what I see here. I th- I think the Lions are going to be a force, but their year is next year or the year after. Um, their year is not this year. This is the Niners' year. I really believe it. And also, I'll tell you the one thing that I think you know makes me really confident as well. These playoffs have been all about the home teams outside of Green Bay winning in Dallas and Buffalo getting beat by Kansas City in Buffalo. The Chiefs and the Packers are the only road teams to have gotten it done thus far uh, in a couple rounds of the playoffs. The home teams have a decided advantage. Um, You know, I believe the home teams eight and two in the NFC title game in the last 10. You know, I haven't even really thought about it that way. Now you got me scared. Now I feel like, uh-oh, here comes the pendulum swinging in the other direction. But well, I haven't yeah. even thought of it that way. It has been a lot of home cooking. It's been a lot of home cooking. And um, and the four, and there's an advantage to sleeping in your bed um, as opposed to traveling. And where the disadvantage comes in, I think, Damon, nobody's everybody's super excited day one of a trip anywhere right oh we're excited nobody's like oh man we just got to town we're exhausted no they're 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 in oh we're fired up we just got here let's let's you know go have a drink let's go out let's do this let's do that 
it's on the back end of the trip that your people are like, oh man, I am dragging. I've been on the road and oh, and that's where Green Bay, that's where Detroit has been. You know, um, they, you know, they've been at home, but they're now venturing out onto the road. And I, I think that, um, I think it's going to catch up with them. The travel, uh, the lack of experience. And I just love the matchup. Um, you know, Frank Ragnow, by the way, is going to play. There was some debate over whether or not the all the uh, Pro Bowl center was going to go. He is going to go. He's been rehabbing all week. He won't be 100%, but he's going to go. But Jonah Jackson is not going to go. And to me, that's major, major advantage when you look at the numbers between his backup, Coyote Awasika, and him. Just to put it in perspective, Jackson played 182 snaps this year, 19 pressures allowed, 10.4% pressure rate. Uh, Awasika played... 86 snaps, almost 100 less, gave up 13 pressures with a 15% pressure rate. I think it's major advantage for Javon Hargrave, and I think pressuring Goff in his face is going to be the key to the win. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And Javon Hargrave is a name that we didn't even use. It's a name that didn't even flash in the box score against the Green Bay Packers. So he officially owes the 49ers one. And I'm going to say the same thing about Nick Bosa and Chase Young. I got a little blowback about this video uh, of Nick Bosa and, and Chase Young that I did. More of the blowback from Nick Bosa because, you know, I said, this guy hasn't recorded a sack in a month. And someone was like, well, they didn't play that last game, right? And he sat out another game. And 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 he's still getting to Jordan Love. And he's still hitting quarterbacks. And pocket. Like, I understand it all. I understand the nuance of the position. I understand that sacks are not the end-all, be-all of defensive end edge rusher play. But you know what? I also like sacks. So I'll take as many of those as you can give me. And it's been a while since Nick Bosa's given me one. And he needs to get to Goff. Goff is the quarterback that Nick Bosa gets to. Full stop. That's that, that's the, the matchup. He's got to get home. Hargrave's got to get home. And Chase Young needs to do something. When you go back and you look at what Chase Young has done in a 49ers uniform, Larry, it's less than impressive. So forget about just doing it for the 49ers, Chase. Forget about... Forget about, you know, the, this team and its success. We're talking about your future. Would you like to make an awful lot more money going forward? Well, a couple of big postseason sacks is exactly what the doctor ordered to get Chase Young that next deal. Since putting on a 49er uniform, Chase Young has 10 total, tax, 10 total tackles, five of them solo. He's recorded one sack, but never that one sack came in one sack. He's got two half sack games he had a half a sack against arizona and a half a sack against baltimore with three total qb hits it's time it's no doubt no doubt and um he'll go up against you know um panay sewell and taylor decker depending on what side he's on but you know here's the one thing and i nick bosa made the point and it's a good point and shanahan hammered it home it's not about necessarily sacks it's about what do you what does the other team do like for the for example if the other team keeps eight into block and you've got you know two guys two eligibles in coverage against five defenders i'll take that every day and you're not going to get a lot of sacks so you know that's what green bay did a little bit in this last game is they kept guys into chip all day they always had an extra guy waiting and they said we're not letting your sack game go, go off okay but that also means that they're not going to commit as many, you know, receivers to the pattern. And then that means that your defense has got to be able to stop a five on two 
where you have five defenders and they have two eligible. So it just depend, depends how they're how you're not getting sacks. If you're not getting sacks and just because their tackle is stonewalling you repeatedly one on one, that's way worse than if you're not getting sacks because they kept both backs into chip. They kept an extra guy on that side. You know, I mean, it really depends on what uh, offense is trying to do to prevent the sacks, because if they're limiting themselves, then you know what? That can be a positive as well. I appreciate all that. The only time anyone ever describes how unimportant the sack is is when they're not recording them. When sacks are being recorded, they're plenty enough to talk about. But when they're not being recorded, then it's the other stuff. Again, I get it. I really do. I understand the nuance. I don't want any more nuance. I don't want any more deep learning comprehension, pro football focus grade. <laughs> I want the play to be over because Jared Goff is on his back. That's what I want, and that's what Nick Bosa wants. And I think that just – Teams and defenses feed off sacks the way NBA teams feed off dunks and threes. And it just, it gets the team rolling in the right direction. And obviously this entire franchise is truly rolling in the right direction. So is wake up. And I want to welcome everyone who's just joining us here. It's great to have you. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, hit like, hit subscribe memberships. Oh, God bless them. They're available on both channels. Thank you for doing so much to support us. Larry, I mean, you've you've seen what's happened around the uh, world of news this week uh, with severe layoffs everywhere. Like every media company gutted major portions of their newsroom. So independent voices operating in new spaces. It still feels a little new to you and me. It's about to be old hat in a few years from now, just the way the industry's going. So thank you for being here. Thank you for um, supporting some independent coverage of the team you like the most. We really, really are happy that you're here. Hit like, hit subscribe. And Larry, this 49ers team is hitting its 19th conference championship game. That is an NFL record. You know, if, if other fans accuse Niner fans of waking up in this, yeah, tell me when the playoffs start sort of attitude. Some have earned it. Some are pretending that they've earned it, but if you're old enough to have been around for the glory days, it hasn't really been since the glory days. And then that one diversion of the Jim Harbaugh era where winning has been this routine. This is a level of winning routine that you know normally gets dotted with a Lombardi trophy or two in this franchise's history. Now, Jim didn't get his. I really he gagged hope it. Kyle, yeah, I really hope Kyle can get his. And if he weren't to get his, Larry, I don't want to start doing the Heavens Might Fall show yet. All right. But if he weren't to get it, it can't be because, like you just said, because Harbaugh gagged it, because it's something that he didn't do as a coach, because he got tight or conservative or too aggressive when it's time to get conservative in a big football game. Again, we are our reputations. You only get one reputation. So boys, girls watching, guard your reputation carefully because you don't get more than one of them. And if it really were to become Kyle's reputation that he just cannot get it done in the biggest of big games, we've seen great coaches drown in that. We have. We've seen great franchises drown in that. We've seen the Buffalo Bills drown in that. Marty Schottenheimer drowned in that. Dan Reeves at the end was, you know, kind of drowning in that. Uh, well, he got his. But, it, you know, we've seen good coaches. Um, Norv Turner 
drowned in the good enough to win, but not win at all. We thought that Andy Reid might be in, in that category. He's proven differently since getting to Kansas City, obviously. Um, but this is the next two football games. And I'm not trying to just presume they beat the Lions, but for the sake of this sentence and topic, I am. Kyle's got to win them. And if he does, oh, my God, Larry, it just changes the man's life. It changes the entire life. Every single question he will ever be asked at a press conference for the rest of his life will sound different, will be presented differently if he can win the next two games coming up for the 49ers. The entire well, it's not, and it's not just him. It's not just him. I mean, it's it's him. It's John Lynch. It's Jed York. You know, Jed York, <clears throat> you know, is he does he own the team? Well, his family owns the team. Does he run the team? Well, there's Denise and John, and every time the Niners lose four in a row, John's at practice. Jed will move out of that shadow and into, I'm on my own two feet running this thing. If his self-appointed uh, head coach, general manager combo climb to the top of this mountain and get this done. So his life changes. John Lynch is already a Hall of Famer. He's a great broadcaster. He was an incredible safety. Heck, he could have been a Major League Baseball player. He's graduated from Stanford, for crying out loud, and he's one of the hardest-hitting guys in, in the history of the league. So um, he's, he's already a – he's already yeah, – exactly. He's already kind of a made man, but this is his final frontier. If he can show that he can win this – I mean, there were some questions when uh, he he had no experience when he was given this job. And to step into this job and to climb to the top of the mountain would validate him as an executive and as a as a success at basically everything. He's got the Midas touch. And for Shanahan, he's got the label right now of the best head coach in the NFL who's yet to win. And that was an Andy Reid uh, deal. And now it's a Kyle Shanahan deal. And all I would say is, do you think the Eagles would rather have Nick Sirianni right now or Andy Reid? They'd rather have Andy Reid. So all I would say to Niners fans is don't, you know, chase this guy out if it doesn't happen uh, this year. But at the same time, we can all acknowledge that Kyle is going to be a made man. His dad won two Super Bowls, three, if you want to include his offensive coordinator job with the Niners. Uh, he wants to be in that circle. He'll be, you know, to me, Kyle's a guy that if he wins one, he'll win three. Um, but he's got to get that first one and they're hard to get. They're really hard to get. Um, you know, you've got to, there's a lot of great and you got to have a lot of good things going on. You got to be healthy. You got to have the right total team. You got to have the quarterback. And I don't think he's ever had all of those things at once until this year. So we'll see. And it's no fate accompli because Detroit's rugged and, and they're going to battle like crazy. And, They've got two really good running backs going up against a run D that just got freaking gashed by Green Bay. So can the Niners make the adjustments? And we can talk about what they need to do because I've already, you know, I went face to face with um, Wilkes yesterday, and I told him exactly what I thought he needed to do indirectly. I said, no go good. with Jair, go with <laughs> Jair Brown um, instead of Logan Ryan. I'm and glad that you're there giving the team the advice it needs in its hour of need, Larry. Thank God you're in the room. But seriously, seriously what, I, you know, the what, Niners have to show that they can stop the run in this game against two really good runners. What is the deal on Jair Brown? Are we seeing him or not? I think we're going to see him. 
I think we're absolutely going to see him. Um, I think that they know that Logan Ryan couldn't stand up to the run. And I think we're going to see Jair Brown. In fact, I'm going to share share the screen right here so you can hear the question and answer from yesterday's presser where I basically told Wilkes what I thought. Here it is. Here's Larry winning the NFC title game strategically for the 49ers. Here's here's me doing the the Lord's work. Hold on a second. Back it up. Back it up. Here we go. This is me to Steve Wilkes. You tell me what you take away from this. Steve Ryan struggled against the run. It looked like on a couple plays, the Jones run, he barely got a hand on him. Are we going to see more of Jair Brown this week at safety, or are you going to stay with Ryan? I would say overall, we all got to improve on the run. I know we we, we point out uh, Logan. Uh, he got to improve on his tackling, as we know. Uh, he's going to get better with that. Uh, Jair is still in the mix. We'll see exactly how it goes this week and exactly how much he's going to play, if he will play, if he will start or whatnot. We don't know. Uh, that's still an uh, ongoing process right now. I so think there you go. His, I think he tipped his hand when he said, we'll start. If he right. will play, it will start. I think that's. I think they're thinking about him in the starting role, or else he might not have had that little. You know, he wouldn't have put that word out there because you didn't say start. You just asked about playing, and he he's he's the one who brought up starting. So and Jair Jair said, you know, about him being, and not only did Jair not start, Damon, he didn't play. He didn't play on special teams. He didn't play at all. Um, he was asked about. It. He says, I didn't agree with it, but I understood why. Because he's a class act. But Jair right. Brown is a thumper. Jair Brown is your future. Logan Ryan is a corner. David Montgomery is a 220-pound bull of a back on a 5'10 frame. If you can't stand in front of Aaron Jones, you will not stand in front of David Montgomery. I know that. Steve knows that. I think ultimately it's probably Kyle's decision. Shanahan was asked about it. Uh, earlier this week, and he said, we kn- we we knew that we kind of decided that when Jair had missed about four weeks. I think it was two games, but he'd been out for four weeks. He's been awesome in practice. I love Jair. It has nothing to do with him, just our experience of playoff games being around us. So they went with the experience factor. Here's the thing. I think last week, Damon, they made a calculated gamble. They said Green Bay is going to be more of a passing team. Jones is more of a receiving back. Let's have that extra corner at safety, and we'll be bet will benefit. And then they got gashed against the run, 136 yards, first hundred hundred yard day all year. This week you've got Gibbs and and uh, Montgomery. They're much more physical in the run game. Detroit's looking to run the ball. Jair is much better run defender. So this is how you play it: you come out with Jair, and you let him play the run. You let him start opposite Gibson. He's going to be much more of a force. And um, you go with heft over experience. And then guess what? If you get up 10, if you get up 14, and it becomes a passing game in the second half and you really want that extra corner, fine. Then you can take Jair off the off the field and go with Logan Ryan. But Logan Ryan does not is not a safety, and Gibson is not the strongest against the run. You cannot have two safeties who don't tackle and beat the Detroit Lions with Montgomery and Gibbs. So uh, to me, it's a major, major part of this game. So, so much of coaching is anticipating what's going to happen. And then, you know, it's 
I know that you know that I know that you know, so I'm going to do this, right? There's so, that's, that's where coaching really, that's where the whole chess game happens. Yeah. The Lions all year long haven't thrown deep. It's not who they are. It isn't in their DNA. It's not what they do. So I ask you, Larry, do you think the Lions are going to take like two, three, four really deep shots thinking that they're going to catch the 49ers off guard a little in this game? I do. I think they're going to look to hit a really big play, something goofy. Like Dan Campbell is 100% going to go down with a flea flicker, right? I mean, it's just who he is. He's going to be overly, I think, aggressive in his I'm playing with house money football game, which if you're the Lions, I think you got to be looking at it at, the, at that just a little, right? So, well, there's no question. I mean, they saw what I saw and what you saw and what everybody saw, which was that the young 49er defensive back, Ambry Thomas, did not play the deep ball with very good poise. And he just wrapped up the receiver like a, like a super raw rookie in a preseason game. So, yeah. They've got Jamison Williams. He's a huge home run hitter. He's got major, major speed. They're going to take, I would guess, two shots down the field in this game. But they're only going to take those shots if they can protect Jared Goff. And I don't know if you saw Goff's numbers this year, but Goff against in a clean pocket is completing 76%, 27 touchdowns, three picks. Goff under pressure, that 76 drops to 51% with six touchdowns and nine interceptions. There is no bigger disparity between Goff under pressure and Goff in a clean pocket. So that just mandates that they get pressure uh, in his face. And if they don't, you're going to see them go down the field probably more than you want to. I don't think that's their game. Their game is to move it more efficiently with Amon Ra. But you're right. They saw what everybody saw, and they're going to take some shots. So you want to win a, a a Costco bet? You want to be like, hey, I'll, I'll bet you a, a handle of Kirkland vodka on this following question when you're walking around <laughs> Costco today. Uh, uh, who is the NFL's second leading passer in terms of yardage this year? We all know that Tua was number one with that prolific offense. Who do you think number two is? Jared Goff. It is. Isn't that nuts for the for team doesn't throw deep. Jared Goff is the NFL's second leading passer this year. And we say that to you while both of us are about to make the argument that the Lions are a run first team. How come the run first team has a quarterback who's second in the league in passing? Because he's got a tight end that's an all time talent as a receiver because he's got a true number one receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown and because he's got a safety valve dump it off back in Jameer Gibbs that can break tackles and make huge plays just by you know just on swing passes so he's got you know and he's got Jamison Williams he can go up top so they got the field stretcher I mean what they have Damon is a phenomenal core of complementary weapons Jamison Williams is the go route deep route nine nine route guy then you've got Amon Ra, who's just absolutely genius at stop routes and everything in the intermediate, and he's just in a total locked-in deal with Goff. And then you've got the the most dangerous non-McCaffrey uh, back in the league as far as swing passes in Jameer Gibbs. So, you know, he, he's got the field stretcher. He's got the, the guy who's super efficient all over the, the short and intermediate. And then he's got the safety valve of safety valves. And when you got all three, man, you are freaking dangerous, especially when you're operating behind a great offensive line. 
But I will say this, Green Bay last week, we talked a lot about Detroit's O-line, and it's a great O-line, but it's a great run-blocking O-line. Detroit is 14th in pass block win rate. Green Bay was second. So I think the Niners and Detroit's not going to have their starting left guard, and they're going to have a very raw rookie. And Lomas Brown, who was on with John Lund earlier this week, as I was driving down, I was listening a little bit to Lund. And, you know, the, Lomas Brown basically said, hey, look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about our left guard situation. I'm concerned about the interior protection. And that's it right there. Niners have to, you know, they have to own the A gap. They got to, Hargrave's got to own it. Armstead's got to own it. Uh, Greenlaw and Warner have got to blitz through it. They've got, Jared Goff has no lateral agility at all. And the last thing he wants to do is be running for his life. If, if you look at the games where they've lost, Damon, it's games where they've sacked Jared Goff three times, four times, five times. But the Niners, the Niners have to pressure him in his face, flush him out of the pocket, and that alone will probably win them the game. And I don't want to say uh, grass is a difference maker here, but I do think the turf is a little bit of a difference maker. This is a an indoor track team that's going to be outdoors, and maybe that grass surface just slows down his targets in a heartbeat to make everyone a little bit off. Um the Lions average 27.1 points per game, though. That's the fifth best in all football. A lot of the numbers really match up with what the Niners do as well. Niners are getting 28.9 points per game, the third most in football. So you've got two teams who absolutely score the ball. Third best in yards per game were the 49ers off, or excuse me, were the Lions offensively. The second stingiest against the run, but their bottom third when it comes to points allowed, 23.2 points per game. And that's where the Niners absolutely have to win this game in the red zone. That's where they're going to be winning this game. When those red zone trips come up, you've got to finish them off with sixes, not threes. And and turnovers. I mean, that's the other aspect of this thing. The Lions, look at their game last week against Tampa. Um, were they awesome? No. Baker Mayfield threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but he threw two picks. And those two picks were just enough to get them beat. And Brock Purdy's got to take care of the football. If he takes care of the football, the 49ers are going to win this game. Akash Enavarenthian, who I, I follow on Twitter, I think he's good at what he does. He was uh, he had this. I, I cut this out to prep for today's show here, Larry. The Rams outgained the Lions two weeks ago, 425 yards to 334 yards, 7.7 yards per play to 6.1 yards per play. The Buccaneers outgained the Lions just a week ago, 408 yards to 391 yards. That's 6.8 yards per play to 5.5. But the Lions win both of those games. How? Why? Well, the Rams went 0 for 3 in the red zone. They just couldn't punch it in. And then, like you just said, the Buccaneers turned it over twice with two interceptions and a missed field goal. And that's the difference in these games. The 49ers, as long as they don't make a big mistake themselves, should be able to, with just the way they play, throttle the Lions for chunk plays throughout most of the afternoon. And, I mean, they're... This could be one of those games. If the Niners don't win it, they will probably outproduce the Lions, but just lost some turnover margin. So don't make a mistake. Be who you are. Don't abandon the run at any point in time. A lot of Christian McCaffrey, less Brock Purdy 
hoisted upon him until you need it from him. And hopefully he just showed everyone at the end of that Packers game that he can give it to you when you need it the most. But this to me is just it Brock Purdy run this team to the Super Bowl or excuse me, Christian McCaffrey run this team to the Super Bowl. An awful lot of Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the way you go about winning this game. No question. Um, you know, what makes Detroit the team that they are, though, is they run the ball and they stop the run. Um, but you, they, you know, Kendall Vildor uh, and Cam Sutton, you know, really are not good pass defenders. I mean, when when Emmanuel Mosley went out, I think this team's chances of winning the Super Bowl this year went out. Um, and and I, I, you know, to me, every it, it's you know, it's about it's about the matchups and you know, play to your matchups. If Detroit's really good against the run, then throw the ball. Um, you know, if 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 Detroit's really good against the pass, then then run the ball. In this case, they're they're they they really don't have an answer for anybody's passing game. If you look at the numbers, and as as you know, I do. Um, Detroit, listen to this, Damon. This one's an overwhelming one. Detroit has allowed 345 passing yards or more in five straight games. Two of those games were against Nick Mullins. You have to light this team up in their pass defense. They don't have a championship caliber pass defense, and you've got to remind them of that. So I you know, agree, Dan, Dan I, Campbell I, saying, hey, our number one goal is we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run. Okay. Um, they're going to come out geared up to stop the 49er run, and that's great. The Niners have to be ready to lean on Purdy in this game. Um, you know, and that's why there's so many people that Ryan Clark and Amy Trask and all these people who don't believe in Brock Purdy, and he didn't play particularly well last week. But this is a game if the Niners are going to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is going to have to pass them there. I, I, I heard what you, I hear what you say about McCaffrey, but the reality is. This this Detroit team is rugged. They do a pretty good job against the run. They do they get That's lit up like a Christmas tree against the pass. And Brock Purdy's got to make them pay. But that's what I'm saying. If 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 you are running it on the Lions as well as throwing it on the Lions, you're winning this game. So I, I don't want to see in the name of I think I've got something to attack all day long. I don't want that to come at the expense of Christian McCaffrey touches from the backfield. I really don't. I, I think they got to just be honest and balanced in this game. And the Niners shoot themselves in the foot when they either become too predictable. Um, uh, you know, Brock Purdy, it's crazy that his career high in attempts was in a game he wasn't playing very well in. And that's what was, that was last week. A career high in attempts. It just didn't make much sense. And it's one of those, is Kyle exposing himself as a guy who's ready to piss a big game away type of things that you bring up. Now, look, the 49ers, and this is right from ESPN this morning, the 49ers have been the toughest team to tackle in the NFL this season. They lead the league in yards per contact at 95.3 yards per game. That's yards after contact. Uh, the Lions defense is going to look to stop that. It leads the league in yards after contact allowed per game. So the strength of the Lions defense, I tackle you right where I meet you, meets the strength of of the violent offensive nature of the 49ers running game. And that is you might meet me where you meet me, but I still go that way after we've met in this running game, because it's yak yard city over here. That is where if who, who's winning that tug of war. 
And I just think the 49ers got to win that tug of war too. And if they win that tug of war too, they're going to win the passing game tug of war. And now they have tugged themselves into the Super Bowl. You know, I really believe that the tougher team's going to win because this is going to be a bloodbath. Chauncey Gardner Johnson hits like a truck. Kirby Joseph plays for blood. Um, th this is the hardest hitting safety tandem I've seen um, in this era for sure. But really, it reminds me a lot of Whitner and Goldson and their tone setters. They separate receivers from the football. The Niners, um, their receivers run across the middle like they own it. And those two guys are going to make you pay in the worst way. So we're going to find out, man. We're going to find out who's the tougher team. The tougher team is going to win this game. Dan Campbell is a tough guy. He's got a tough football team. And um, they're hard hitting. And they like to own the middle. But you know what they sell out for? They sell out for the big hit and a lot of times don't rap. And the Niners potentially can really make them look bad with a lot of big-time run after the catch. So it's going to take a well-orchestrated offensive showing by the Niners. Um, and the key is don't throw the ball right into Kirby Joseph or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Make sure you give your receiver a chance to run with it a couple steps so they can run by those guys. The Niner receivers can absolutely run by both those guys, but um, those guys can also light you up and separate you from the football, and now the ball's popping into the air and they're running the other way with it. So it's to me, that's a big, big part of it. Niners want to pass, but they're, and their corners are totally susceptible to giving up the pass, Detroit's are but they got these two thumpers in the middle that are just lur lurking. And if those guys come away with big hits and knockout blows and turnover creating plays, Detroit's going to win. And if the Niners, you know, toast them and make them look slow and run and, and, you know, run by them and run after the catch situations, then the Niners are going to win. So I, I think it's a major tilting point in the game. I really do. Is Debo playing? Yes or no? Yes. I agree. There's no way that guy, I mean, he's going to have to be in the hospital and not go in this game. It's just who he is. It's who his nature is. And and I just think that that they need, I mean, they need him. They need him in this game. They might need him in this game more than they would need him in the next game. That's how physical this game could be, right? No doubt. Not only that, I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Debo have got a, got a bad blood situation brewing. And um, I don't believe that Debo's not going to answer the bell for this one. I think he's going to answer the bell in a big way. Wait, now he's been ramping up to play. Yesterday he wore the blue uh, jersey at practice, so he was out there running around, but you couldn't hit him. Um, and um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I expect him to go. And and Brandon Ayuk was asked about this two days ago, and he said, personally, I expect I I think he'll go. What's the bad blood between him and, and Gardner-Johnson? Oh, you didn't see that? I'll show no. that to you. That's no. oh yeah, I'll 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 bring that one up here in just a second. Basically, Chauncey Gardner Johnson hates Debo Samuel, and okay. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, it, he he did this diatribe, and um and Debo was asked about it, you know, with Kay Adams, and he's like, I don't know, I have, I have no idea what his issue is, and. And it sounded like he's jealous of Debo getting the bag. Um, <laughs> but 
when you hear I this. I don't, like, I don't like it when a man's worrying about another man's pockets, Larry. I don't like I know. that. Seriously. Um, let me see if I can find the Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I'm sure it's here. Uh, and it's just like he went on and he just here it is. Here it is. OK, I'll I'll share the screen. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, and his beef with said. Mr. Samuel. All right, here it is. Because you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. He, back it up. Back it up. Back it up. Here we go. Chauncey earlier this year with a message. For Debo. Another thing, bro, listen, don't be friendly when you see me because you be so flashy. You better hope, well, you better hope all that talking you be doing when we see y'all, whatever round it may be, because I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. I ain't going to sit here and play with you, little boy, because you got a little bag. People gave you a little clout. Man, you ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. <laughs> so there you go. Players. I love football players. I really do. <laughs> so I'm, you know, and he is a thumper, man. This guy's good, and he's got four four speed, and he's bait made. He was a big play guy with the Gators. He was a big play guy with the Saints. He was the intimidator. Deluxe. He was the guy. You saw that hit in the Super Bowl against Isaiah Pacheco last year. I mean, he 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 plays for real. But Debo does too, and um, Debo's Debo's a load. You know, if, if the thing is, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's the kind of guy that's going to try to sell out in this game for the big cheap shot on Debo. But Debo's got the kind of heft where if he gets two or three steps of momentum. He could run right over Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So it's going to be something to watch, man. Boy, I hope Debo has a bang your mom game. I really do because, you know, Gardner Johnson's kind of asking for it right there. You know, it's funny, though, when he says that Debo's flashy, like, so he does the, you know, the, the boom box entrance to hype the team up. He has the chain. And like to me, you know, you you got offensive guards walking in with drips. So I'm like, I, to, to, of course, wide receivers are a little flashy with fashion. But to me, Debo's not a flashy player. It's really not like he's not a flashy guy. Like if if every single you know wide receiver in football had a spirit animal that was a car. Like, I don't think of Debo as being a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Maserati. He's like a souped-up, tricked-out Ford F-150. Like, I mean, the guy's just such a beast out there. But it was in the shop. It was in the shop this week. You know, that's one thing you got to remember. You got to, yes, you got a killer car, but it was in the shop. It was so in we'll the see. shop. That means it should come out nice, polished, and clean, and detailed, and not not a speck of dirt anywhere on it. <laughs> but uh, I like that. I, I didn't. I, are you following Chauncey Garner Johnson on Instagram? I didn't. I didn't see that at all. I, I did not see that video until you just played it, Larry. I don't know how many people have. That's good stuff. No, no, I'm not. But it, it was from earlier this year, and you know, I mean, I'm in the Niner content creator game, so uh, you are I, in that game. I'm in that game, so I, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be aware. I think my man Raj from RSF 49ers. Might have put that out, and I follow Raj. 
but do we play it again? Uh, play it again if you get if you can bring it right back up. Unless you already closed it out and exited out, and it's oh, hard to find. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I could probably find it here. Hold on, because like that. I mean, that felt like like if, if you see me at the grocery store, don't even come up and ask how my kids are. Like that felt little. He it was, was very angry. Yeah, it was personal, and he's very angry and very frustrated. And he's a running back. Okay, here we go. Another thing. Bro, listen, don't be friendly when you see me. Cause you be so flashy. You better hope, well, you better hope all that talking you be doing when we see y'all what whatever round it may be. Cause I can't guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. You know, I ain't gonna sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag, people gave you a little clout, man. You ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's go. Sunday can't get here fast enough, man. That's fantastic. Absolutely. It makes you laugh. I mean, he's he, he's threatening, but it makes you laugh. It well, does I make mean, you laugh. And, and what's don't funny, be friendly. Don't don't be friendly. I because you're running back, and I can guard you. <laughs> that's great. That's 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 great right there. So I oh, guess we, somebody's asking for Debo's response. I can see if I can find you Debo's response. Hold on a second. Is there a Debo response? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He responded. He responded. Um, Oh, yeah, Damon, you got to get with, you got to get on these things, man. All right, here we go. Let's see. Let me see if I can find a response to Gardner Johnson. Let me see if it's with Kay Adams. Um, She asked him about it, and. Uh, it doesn't here. Let me just type in Debo. Let me see so he said Debo's more of a muscle car than he would be a Ford F one fifty souped up. I would agree with that. Yeah, he probably is. We see it. Might take it. Might take a second. Um, okay, but we'll definitely. This you know you type in Debo. There's so many things, but right. If you don't uh, have I, it locked, loaded, and ready to go, I just I don't know. Like I I don't get into like the players talking crap to each other on Instagram. Maybe that's I maybe I'm I'm missing a huge bucket of content that I need to be operating in here, Larry. I'm still old fashioned radio guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just seeing if this is the response. Uh, he went on with up and Adams. Yeah, here it is. Oh, here we go. I found it. All right, here we go. Val Brooks. Debo is a Hemi. (laughs) (laughs) He's a Hemi. Here we go. Here's Debo with, with K and we'll, where is it? We'll back that up. And here we go. If Debo Samuel does play, which is looking and sounding like he might or should, or I hope he does at least, there's a little something extra happening here too. CJ called Debo out all the way back in October. Do you remember this? Remember talking about the potential of seeing each other in a playoff matchup? Debo had thoughts on it too. Take a look. Did you see the IG Live? Yeah, that was comedy. Can we play it? <laughs> Will you get mad if we play it? Oh. No. Like cry. Bro, listen, don't be friendly when you see me. Cause you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better hope all that talk you be doing when we see y'all what whatever round it may be. Cause I can't guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. You know, I ain't gonna sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag, people gave you a little clout. Man, you ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. It just sounds like he mad. I got a little, a little bag and a lot of money, and nobody knows who he is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. You know, I, here's the thing. 
you know, I didn't understand it when it came out of Philadelphia. I guess I'm not understanding it when it came out of uh, Gardner Johnson either here. I don't hear Debo talking all this smack. Like I would even. When, why would you talk smack to Debo when Debo runs people over? Debo's about 225. I mean, Debo's not like Debo's not AJ Jenkins. You know what I mean? It's not like he's like some some skinny guy who's gonna you can light up easily. Marlon Humphrey popped him in the Raven game. He bounced right off of it. Well, where's Debo doing all this trash talking that's pissing off other NFL players? I get I'm I maybe I'm not following him on Instagram. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like, I don't know where this Debo is a shit talker reputation really comes from. I don't I I I haven't seen him talking He's, all that shit. He rubs some people wrong, clearly. Obviously, CJ Gardner Johnson is one of them. Uh, but I don't know if it's the way he comes out or if it's that he got the bag or that. I mean, you heard CJ. He's like, you're flashy. Uh, it's funny. Debo's like, I think he's about to cry. He does kind of look like he's about to cry in the way he his face, uh, you know, was kind of crinkled up there. It was a crinkly face. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, welcome, everyone, to Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, it's awesome having you here. Thank you for supporting what we do. Hit like, hit subscribe on both of our channels. Thank you for watching, no matter where or how you're watching. It's great to have you here. One of the characters that we uh, I've been talking about this week and just the lead up to another chance to maybe go to a Super Bowl Larry, I've been talking about Jed York more than I thought that I would be talking about Jed York at this point in time. And I've been really? talking about him in glowing fashion because I really think we saw a guy who like appointed himself like the young, new, up-and-coming owner in the NFL, and he got way over his skis and overexcited and hired Mike Singletary right there in the locker room after that game against, what was it, the Minnesota Vikings, and he hires Mike Singletary. And obviously that doesn't work out. Then it's, you know, it's Harbaugh and things are really good. And during that things were getting really good. Jed was really feeling himself. He's getting a new stadium built. He's coming into his NFL ownership. It's his very first taste of fame. He's, he's tasted fortune an awful lot in his life, but real lean forward. People recognize me everywhere I go. Fame was now Jed's for the first time. And I think he liked it. I think he liked the way those cameras uh, focused in on him. He liked being at the podium. You know, he saw himself playing that. I'm a great owner, Eddie D everyone's going to love me sort of, you know, in his own mind fiction. And then the Harbaugh divorce happened and it was an ugly divorce. And then the arrogance of of hiring Tom Sula thinking, well, anyone can come in here. This team's so good. We built something so special to coach this team. And then the chip Kelly disaster. And, you know, I, I might not like Levi stadium. Doesn't even matter. The NFL clearly does having awarded it a second super bowl. And then you look at Jed just vanishing outside of Kyle Shanahan's introductory press conference. I can't think of the last time we actually saw Jed York or him trying to gobble up an inch of writer's space or media morsels or anything like that. He is faded away. And I just think he's learned an awful lot. He's grown up an awful lot. The 49ers business that they're doing is incredibly brisk business. This team 
when, you know, the York family assumed control from the DeBartolo side of the family was worth about $423 million. And then come 2019, they're worth $3.5 billion. And obviously, this isn't all Jed's business acumen. This is the entire league. This is new TV deals, new stadiums and stuff like that. But this team right now, uh, you know, would be on the market for six billion, and if it were actually on the market, I think it'd go for seven or eight. You know, it's it's the Niners for goodness' sakes. The business is incredible. The profits are incredible. The value is incredible. The brand is incredible, and I think Jed York has drifted back into the lane of he's a good NFL owner because he's got the three Bs down. You be spending on the right people. You be quiet when it's time to talk and you be winning. And when you are quiet and you win and you make the right choices, that's good ownership. You know, championships aren't guaranteed to anybody. So just setting your team up to be a champion is really all you can do as the owner. And I think Jed's done that several years in a row here without much fanfare. And so I I was just kind of handing him some roses because certainly we, I I mean, I've buried Jed York in this town many times on big sticks. And I thought it was time to come back around and say, Hey, you know, in retrospect, he's done a really, really good job lately. You know, I mean, everybody needs to learn how to walk before they can run and before they can sprint. And, um, you know, I, I, it's funny, I, you know my oldest son, Kevin, and he's very, very competitive, right? And we brought our third child home from the hospital. Kevin couldn't have been more than four years old. He looked at his newborn baby brother, Benjamin, and he said in a skeptical in a skeptical tone, put him on the floor and let's see if he can crawl. You know, it's like the first day we started laughing. I put him on the floor. Let's see if he can crawl. And, of course, he was a newborn, so we didn't take his advice. Um, But you know what? In a lot of ways, and I just came from your house, and I'm looking at, you know, you and your wife raising two little, little guys. Guess what? Guess what you're not super critical of right now? These little boys. There'll be plenty of time in the future to be like, hey, they didn't fulfill expectations. But today ain't the day, right? You're just coaching them up. You're just getting them going. Um, Eddie D and Jed's ownership, uh, you know, their their ownership stints really very very a lot of parallels. Um, but Eddie D was allowed to make his mistakes in relative anonymity because the Niners were perennial losers and they weren't this upfront iconic franchise that everybody was watching. Jed, on the other hand. His baby steps happened after the franchise was already iconic, already, you know, everybody was well aware. And so his baby mistakes were absolutely, you know, um, magnified and people crushed him for it, yourself included. And and everybody did. It wasn't like you weren't alone. Other people were very critical as well. My point was this. Eddie D, when he took over the Niners, hired Joe Thomas. Why? Because he told me Joe Thomas was a Youngstown, Ohio guy, and he was recommended to Eddie. So he hired Joe Thomas. What did Joe Thomas do? He came in. He made terrible trades. He made one trade where he traded like four or five draft picks, including one that became a running back named Joe Cribs 
to the Buffalo Bills for washed up OJ Simpson with a bad knee. They made bad hires, bad decisions, and they stumbled around for a couple of years. Um, and then he found Bill Walsh and John McVay and got the hell out of the way and turned the football operation over to those guys. And the rest is history. Three years later, they're winning the Super Bowl in 81. Three years after that, they're winning their second. Five years later, they're winning their third. Six years later, they're winning their fourth. And suddenly, Jed, you know, uh, Eddie's the toast of the town and one of the great owners, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. Jed hired some guys initially. It didn't work out. Then had the Harbaugh situation. Harbaugh and him did not see eye to eye. Uh, they mutually parted ways. He made a huge mistake there because he had no idea who he wanted to go to when he got rid of Harbaugh. You can't get rid of a coach where who's 44, 19, and 1 and not have an idea of who you're going to. Then he stumbled around for two years with Tom Sula and Chip Kelly. All the while, though, as the revenues in this league grew, Jed was like, you know what? I'll pay off Tom Sula and all those coaches. Oh, Harbaugh's coaches have to be paid off. I'll pay them off. Oh, Chip Kelly's coaches all need to be paid off. I'll pay all them off. Literally in a three-year period, Jed spent probably 25 to $30 million paying off failed coaches and assistant coaches. And then he arrived at Shanahan and Lynch. And now he's he's got, got two guys that he thoroughly trusts. The, the, the train is back on the rails. And he's he is present if you go to practice. Um, he is present if you're around the team, but he's not public. He's he's not public. He's not talking. He's not tweeting. He's just giving these guys his support and his and his. He's there. He's not. He's not like the you know Hasso Platner of the Sharks who's hanging out in some bar in Sweden or something. He's there, um, but he's just not public. Well, and 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 it's it's all working out just fine. That's what makes it even more impressive because I think the temptation to step forward and maybe take a little bit of a bow um, is all around him. I mean, he'll I'm take a bow when they win the Super Bowl. He will take a bow. Oh, I am sure. very confident of that. But that's a problem. He the 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 pre bows are where he got himself into trouble, and tweeting he, and you know. And look, Larry, you know that he's getting interview requests. Kim Kawakami, or Kawakami and, and, and Kim Inman and, and Matt Barrows aren't sitting there thinking to themselves, boy, I hope I can't get a quote from Jed York today. And he might be doing stuff on background and just talking to the guys, but he's clearly telling everyone, like, let's keep my name out of it. I want him on the Krug show. Super yeah, Bowl got, night. Yeah, we got to get him on. We'll get, him, we'll, we'll get him on again. Jed and I, here's the thing. Jed and I used to get along great. We had a really good couple of conversations at a few guardsman events and charity events. And then Levi's Stadium opened and, and Jed used to follow me on Twitter. And the night Levi's Stadium opened, Jed unfollowed me on Twitter because obviously my initial review wasn't sitting well with him at all. <laughs> you know, and and so uh, he gets a, a bad rap, dude. He gets a bad rap. He's here's my my bottom line for an owner is this. Are you willing to cut the check? And he is. He's been willing to cut the check. You know, when you think it's you think it's free to take a traveling party of 200 people and have them stay at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. But he did it. Why? Because Shanahan said, you know what? We'll maybe have a little bit more rest. So this guy's willing to cut the check. I think he's proven at this point. You want Javon Hargrave, and it's going to cost 
you know, tens of millions of dollars in signing bonus money. You really want that? You think he's a difference maker? Yes, we do. Cuts the check. So, I mean, he spent the money, man. Now, granted, the the revenues around the NFL are such that there's a reason all these coaches are getting fired and nobody has any patience. It's because the revenue's great, right? The TV revenue's burgeoning. Uh, the the uh, the uh, gambling revenue is just beginning to come crawling in. They these guys these owners are given a general fund check of probably close to a hundred million dollars a year. So they're making a lot of money, and that enables you to pay off coaches and assistant coaches and make mistakes and and not live with them and so on and so forth. But but Jed's success with this team goes beyond that because he was he was showing leadership where you know he was he was coming across like a meddling owner at times. And now he's got Lynch as the face. He's got Parag on the business side. He's got Al Guido on the business side. The thing is percolating at a really high rate. He's got Shanahan on the on the football side. Um, they've been in four of the last five NFC championship games. Um, he's comfortable with Shanahan. Shanahan's comfortable with him. They're all comfortable with Lynch. The, they've now got this Leeds project uh, going as far as the soccer team, and Parag is is quarterbacking that. And Jed will be a made man with his family. And winning the Super Bowl is he's already been acclaimed as a business success because of Levi Stadium and all the revenue that's been tied to that. He hasn't been called a football success, and he yearns for that. Um, and he's on the doorstep of getting that done. And believe me, John, Kyle, Parag, Jed, they all will be in a different place career-wise when the Niners are in the, in the uh, winner's circle. Such a huge moment in time for everyone involved, for fans, for owners, for players, for coaches. And if you don't mind me saying, for for guys on YouTube, Larry, I mean, if the Niners go, you and I are going to Vegas. If they don't go, go to Vegas, we're going to Vegas. And that's the way it, it kind of goes. Um, you know, the attention that the NFL brings to everyone who decides to touch it is really amazing. It truly is. So uh, it's been a hell of a year to launch a YouTube channel around Bay Area sports and the Niners. So their timing has been great for me. Uh, their timing has been great for you. And their timing is exactly what the NFL wants because people are leaning into this league like never before. TV ratings are you know near Super Bowl level in the playoffs almost. And we're not even at the biggest game. And well, not only that, Damon, you know, J give Jed and the, you know, the the business powers that be with the Niners one more little credit that I don't think people realize here locally. The Niners are the biggest international brand in the league today. The biggest city in, in the UK is London. There's more Niner fans in London than fans of any other team. The the biggest, uh, you know, city in, in Mexico is Mexico City. The Niners played the Cardinals in Mexico City. 90% of the fans were Niner fans. The Niners are a global brand. They really are. And they've done more in the last two years to further their hold as the NFL global brand than any other franchise in the sport. They're hugely popular internationally. 
Well, and and I think that there's this, uh, you know, aligning some cities with with NFL teams, and they're right. not quite seeding territory. But whether the territory is seeded to the Niners or not, the Niners are the most popular team in that country over and over and over again. Like the league can give the Dallas Cowboys, the rights to Mexico, the Niners are still a bigger brand in Mexico than the Dallas Cowboys. And that's, that's amazing. Cause there really aren't bigger brands than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the Niners are royalty. They really are. They're NFL royalty. And they have, if they are to find a sixth Lombardi trophy right now, they will, it'll, it would be like adding a half billion dollars, if not a full billion dollars to franchise value. It would be, unbelievable if it happened and it it kind of needs to happen right here right now no this is it it's this is it you know we were in new orleans for niners ravens uh they got close they had a 10 point lead in the fourth against the chiefs in miami this is their year to climb to the top of the mountain i've got to address this one abiz diod brock purdy is not good guys cmc carries us CMC will take us there. He has less than a hundred yards. If he has less than a hundred yards, GG. What is that? What's GG? Um, I'll say Brock Purdy first in the NFL yards per attempt first in the NFL yards per completion first in the NFL passer rating first in the NFL success rate first in the NFL QBR first in the NFL total EPA. Um, Top five against man coverage. Top five when blitz. Top five when not blitz. Top five in the red zone. Top five on third down. Top five quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. Top five when pressured. Top five when not pressured. Number one passer in the NFL outside the numbers is Brock Purdy. Brock Brock Purdy's not good. You're right. He's not good. Brock Purdy's great. And he's gonna sh- I think he's going to show that he's great uh, this Sunday against the Lions. What I'm not interested in is anyone's opinion on Brock Purdy anymore. I'm just, I'm not leaning in. I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks about him, whether it is um, over-adulation or underselling. It doesn't matter anymore. Again, this is the part of the year where opinions no longer matter. It's just results. And Brock Purdy can deliver results this Sunday and then two weeks from now in Las Vegas, that means the only thing left to do, everyone, is shut the fuck up. <laughs> Here's Brock Purdy as a kid, by the way, Damon. Here, look at this. Watch this, Damon. Look at this little TikTok. I saw this today. Brock Purdy as a kid. There he is. Watch this. Hey, make a play, Mahomes. Mahomes! 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 he's the best he's the best (laughs) uh what'd you think of that a little uh a little trick shot little basketball uh full court touchdown right in the net the the kids yeah it was perfect it was perfect now but um i mean obviously we're that's just a random thing but you know what i i really think brock purdy's gonna bounce back in a huge way and his teammates do as well and I asked Kittle yesterday, I said, you know, all these Ryan Clark idiots with their stupid comments and their, and their, you know, Brock Purdy's not the guy and all this stuff. 
Um, I go, you know, in a weird way, George, I go, I could see it helping Brock because he really does play with a chip on his shoulder. I go, what do you think? And he's like, well, I'll say this. I think he blocks it out for the most part, but I don't think it hurts. You know, <laughs> all these people doubting him. I don't think it hurts. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see come Sunday how he plays. He didn't look good against Green Bay until the fourth quarter when he took it over. Um, you know, it's funny. Everybody, it's hilarious that people want to go off on him for that game when he led a fourth quarter comeback victory in a playoff game. Um, interesting to me, but we'll see. We'll see right. what he does this week. Again, the only, if if the catch happened now, you'd have a world where people weren't even focusing on the catch. Like, doesn't matter. Look at the position that Joe Montana put this team in with all those turnovers. This guy, so, I mean, it, 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 the the scrutiny that is put on football players is absurd. And the always the, the desire to use a, every single play the guy just runs is an opportunity to now reevaluate an entire career. Every play, every game, it's suffocating. It's annoying. It really is. It it really is annoying the way that we overcover these things and we over criticize and critique and and it it really it's. It robs anyone of being a real critic at a moment where real criticism needs to be offered if we're just going to criticize everything, win, lose, or draw, no matter what. He's good. How great is he? Well, we don't know yet, and that's the whole point. If you're just looking at where he is in his career, how many guys have won this much this often at this level two years into their career? It's a really, really small number. Like, if Brock Purdy does win the Super Bowl and the Niners win it this year with two more wins, he will have tied Ben Roethlisberger for the most playoff wins ever in a quarterback's first two seasons in football. You know, is that going to be enough for people? The minute the 49ers win a Super Bowl, I bet he can't win another one is going to be <laughs> yeah. like a, a, a major topic. I bet that was an illusion. He's going to have to do it again before I believe he's really that guy. Is he him? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing, too. Guys like Brent Jones, who played with Joe Montana, will compare him to Joe Montana. Guys like Steve Young, who are Hall of Fame quarterbacks, stand there in amazement at what Brock Purdy's able to do. So it's amazing how Brent Jones sees Joe Montana traits. Steve Young sees a special player, but all these jackasses on the internet, he's not him. Uh, Dale asked for me to repeat the Purdy stats. Okay, here it is, Dale. He leads the NFL in the regular season in yards per attempt, yards per completion, passer rating, success rate, QBR, total EPA. He was top five in the NFL this year against man coverage when blitzed, when not blitzed, in the red zone, in the fourth quarter, on third down, when pressured, when not pressured. He went 7-0 and his rookie year, lost the NFC Championship game. Since that point, he is 17-4 and as a starter, 3-1 and in the playoffs. He's 21 or 24 years old. He's gone to back-to-back -back NFC title games. 
He just went six for seven on the final drive uh, to five different receivers with the one incompletion being a blatant and obvious Kittle drop. So in reality, more like seven for seven on that final drive to five different receivers. And who's got the best numbers in the NFL um, outside the numbers, which to me, that's the, the whole dink and dunk. He doesn't have an arm crowd was all tied to one pass, which is, can you throw the deep out from the wide hash to the far side of the field and, and with, and get it there in a tight window um, with something on the ball. He's number one in the NFL QB rating, throwing it outside the numbers. I think everybody's just got to, you know, pump the brakes on the criticism. I get it. I get it. Well, well, I guess what I don't get is why would a guy like Ryan Clark, again, we might not like what Ryan Clark said. Ryan Clark's not stupid. He played in the league. No, but you know what he's doing? I mean, he, first of all, doing that, he's playing the role that his producer told him to play. Like you, no, it's you, just he's just he's you know he, it's just weak sauce. It's like okay, um, you know, let's compare him to Mahomes and Josh Allen, two guys who are you know high first round picks who have awesome traits and and coming off of you know it's going to resonate because he just played a poor game. Um, ESPN is in the whole Northeast. It's not just ESPN. It's mad dog radio. It's, it's everybody who's in that Northeast cauldron. They all hunt for the negative. Um, the people who represent ESPN that cover the Niners hunt for the negative. I mean, I literally I've seen guys, you know, after great victories where there's tons of great things to talk about, go, you fumbled two snaps. What happened on those snaps? You know, I mean, it's like, what happened on those snaps? They were fumbled fucking snaps. I mean, but they're hunting for the negative. When I did a show on Mad Dog Radio, we had a guy, Peter Schwartz, great guy. But at the end of one of the updates one night, I said, Peter, how come every, everybody in the NBA that you just reported on lost last night? He had no idea what I'm talking about. What do you mean? I said, you just gave a scoreboard where every fucking team lost. And he goes, he goes, what are you talking about? I go, okay, Peter, maybe you don't understand me. And the Nets lost to the Knicks last night, and the Warriors lost to the Pelicans. The Lakers fell to the Clippers. Do you notice how everybody lost? Right. Doesn't anyone win? Nobody wins. Everybody loses, huh? And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I know you haven't because you're sitting in this misery, riding some train, bitter as hell, cold and, and miserable and looking for the negative. How about somebody beat somebody? So it's, 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 it's like, you're a better, more, 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 um, credible sports person. If you hunt for the negative, than if you highlight in any way, the positive, well, so, you sure seem to get more attention. That's for sure. Negative. The, the negative is considered smarter and edgier than the positive. That's really it. And so people hunt for the negative, but Ryan Clark was just sitting there going, I mean, that, that soliloquy of garbage of, the hardest thing I had to do all year was pretend that Brock Purdy belonged in the same sentence as these other guys. Well, first of all, why did you have to do it? So you're not an independent voice. So you were lying to us. Then are you lying to us now? You right. said things for effect. Then are you saying things for effect now? I would say you are. I mean, I guess if, if you're admitting to us that you said things for effect, then aren't you saying things now? For effect, 
I mean, it's like it's like the right. girlfriend that told you that she's cheated on her last five boyfriends. Does that make you like her more or feel like she's going to be loyal to you? Or do you just think she's just some town pump who's going to cheat on you, too? So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the hell? I mean, Ryan Clark, I mean, and, and, and not only that, all this and you're wrong. You're going to look so bad in two games. But you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, I think it's it's, the whole, it's great. Like, the, the whole, I bet you he doesn't win a Super Bowl. Well, it's the, the odds of saying that about anybody you're, and you being right, to be right. Yeah. Are, are a lot better than the other way around. But he's going to, um, he but he ain't that lucky and he's going to wind up looking bad. I guess my, my whole point to everyone who wants to just drown in the never ending Brock Purdy debate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got a little. <clears throat> Sorry about that. The fact wait, a second, wait a second for for you Giants fans who are still breathing. MF Giants made a late play for Reese Hoskins, according to John Heyman. Fuck them. Seriously, the fuck late play for Reese Hoskins. Where's that parade go? Yeah, fuck it's them. Good. That's it's what good. I would say to that. It's good to know that the Giants got that out there. Just like with uh, um, what, what's it, the the pitcher who signed with it with the, the they, they couldn't uh, uh, when, when they were uh, on the verge of Yamamoto. They offered Otani what oh, the exact same deal that the Dodgers did. Yeah, Giants media is reporting that they could not have done a better job. Right, right, right. Yeah, of actually <laughs> signing the player, they couldn't have done a better job. It's like, it's, a, it's it, to me, it's. it's it's like it's like Trump talking about perfect phone calls. The, the phone call was perfect. I mean, you know, I mean, come the on. ship the shipbuilder that built the Titanic said that it was absolutely sure not to sink, and it was all operator error. You know, it's like these rivets go have been riveted. There's no way an iceberg's puncturing these rivets. We've done a perfect job, and it couldn't have done a better job. There's no executive that could have done a better job than Farhan Zaidi, and I know because I'm I'm sitting on his lap right now. I cover the Giants. Couldn't have done a better job. I mean, technically, I guess the Dodgers did a better job, so you could have done a better job, but for the Giants. On you, the know who, scale, you know who couldn't have done a better job in the Super Bowl last year? The Eagles couldn't have done a better job. Couldn't Larry. have done a better job. You know, when it comes to securing this sideline, Dom, the security guard, couldn't have done a better job. Could right not have done a better job. Could not have done a better job. Sirianni could not have done a better job this year. Getting getting back to Brock and the I whole. I have no point. credibility. My name is Giant Beat Rider. Fill in the blank. I just, look. Look at you picking fights with Giants beat writers. It's not even spring training yet, Larry. It's too early. Anyways, look, I, I, I getting back to where we go, getting getting back to where this whole thing started. Right. What I don't understand is just okay. So let's say you don't like Brock Purdy, or you don't think that there is going to be a quarterback that is going to continue to produce like this, and that's just the way you feel. Fine. I guess, even though there are a lot of data points being returned that you might be wrong about that. If that's what you want to go down in, fine. But to just discredit it and to not even appreciate it. I mean, here is a story that you will be handed maybe 
probably not one more time in your entire life covering sports. So can you enjoy it a little? You know, I mean, like, like, like I was it just that much of a different world where the Kurt Warner story was met with a little bit of wonder and excitement. And this is just being met with skepticism and questions. Like, I don't understand how the fact if your whole point is Brock Purdy isn't Patrick Mahomes. Well, very few quarterbacks in the history of football have been. The fact that you're even trying to compare the two of them means something about the compare. Like, what has he done to put himself in a position to be compared to the best, which you say he's unworthy to do and unqualified to even be in this conversation? Yet, here it is, and you're the one who keeps on bringing it up. So would you at least acknowledge that the guy you're saying doesn't belong in the conversation has forced his way into it to the point where you can't stop talking about it? So see, clearly something's happening, right? Does, does anyone I mean, see it like this? I, I just think it's one of the, I mean, so we're willing to give Josh Allen all kinds of, of passes for throwing, you know, tons of picks because he's what, 6'5 with a gun? Even though he's never won in the AFC Championship games, he's never gone to the Super Bowl. But that's okay because he's six five two fifty. You had a, you had a segment this week on NFL Network that the entire thing was I don't care that he keeps on losing to Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking Josh Allen, and he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Like that right, segment right. happened on uh, how come that how come that segment can happen for Josh Allen, but not Brock Purdy. First of all, it's a stupid segment, so let's not even do it anymore. But how come that? How come the avenue of what hasn't happened yet still is going to be the defining trait? I believe in this guy can be that way for that guy, but what hasn't happened yet for Brock Purdy is the defining trait and can't be discussed in any way that is positive until he proves me wrong by hitting me in the head with a Lombardi Trophy. It's interesting just to take all of these things and put them into one. Somebody had this tweet. It's not mine. I'm reading it from somebody, and I don't know who, who had it. So if this was your tweet, sorry that you're, I'm not crediting you. But I saw this on Twitter. It wasn't a, from any you know anybody I knew, just some random, but it was an awesome Larry tweet. Larry was a nobody, and you lifted it. Let's yeah, be honest. I lifted it. Well, I'm going to read it to you right now. There were seven terrific quarterbacks. That's the Amy Trask reference. Seven terrific quarterbacks entered the divisional round. Four of them, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, uh, Brock Purdy, and Jordan Love, had the ball in their hands late in the fourth quarter with the potential to come from behind and win. One of them did. Brock Purdy. Mic drop. Well, maybe that's why Amy Trask insisted he was unlike the others. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because he actually went out and he, he won the game at the end. I just, I don't know. It it's just, just easy to go. It's easy to go against Brock Purdy because, you know, at the end of the day, he doesn't have super broad shoulders. He doesn't have the biggest arm. Um, all of the All of the things that make Brock Purdy awesome cannot be seen by the eye. And you would think a guy like Ryan Clark, who knows football, would understand that and appreciate the fact that this kid's super smart, super gutsy, tons of accuracy, tons of, of, of you know, he processes what he sees at a really high level. You would think that Ryan Clark as a defensive back would know this and see this, but no, he doesn't. So that's okay. No. No, well, well, what he, it's even worse than that, though, because 
what he told you is that even though he wasn't seeing it, he was lying about it. Right. And now he would like to walk that lie back. What's really weird is that you would walk that lie back while the motherfucker is in the NFC title game. Like what it's the wrong time to to like bet against the premonition that he might be good because here he is on the precipice of greatness. Like now's the if you did believe in Brock Purdy, it's a little silly to pull back on that now, isn't it? it, it none of it makes sense. This is why um this is Ryan why Clark feels like he's got good job security, clearly. Look, this is why major media continues to be a disaster and is failing, and there's nothing on TV about sports that we watch other than the sports itself. Um, it's why YouTube is important. It's why I think you and I are important to have our reasonable voices in this conversation because the amount of unreasonable voices, not just coming from unreasonable places, but unreasonable voices being propped up in the highest of, of you know places to be talking from, have just, I don't know. It's like the 49ers just drive people nuts more than any other team out there. And I, I really don't know why. And, and again, why is Brock? Well, Purdy, he, Brock Purdy I, I got, I got one more thing to say about that. He's like the worst thing. Listen to the way he said, phrased this too. The worst thing that could happen to the NFL is that the 49ers have Jordan love. Well, if you're pre, if, if what is it? What, is this now every team against the Niners? Is this, are we now rooting for anybody to win the Super Bowl but the Niners? Wait, wait, Where wait, does wait, that wait, come from? Wait, wait and, and Jordan Love now equals Super Bowl automatically? What, what, well, what are they Exactly. And, and then the guy who threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter is now d undeniably better than the guy who won against him in the fourth quarter by going six for seven. I mean, it's just like, what are we talking about here? So the loser's the winner, the winner's the loser. Uh, and But then the, the whole idea that the league should be thrilled that Jordan Love is, is not a Niner, that is all is so anti-49ers. It's like you wouldn't be that anti if it was the New York Giants. Hell no. Why? Because there'd be all these New York Giants fans in your freaking grill every day when you walked out of ESPN, every day when you walked down the street in Manhattan. You would oh, never make that statement. But the Niners way out on the West Coast, I'm I'm not going to run into any of their players, fans, owners, executives ever. So I'll just shit on them over and over and over again because they're way out on the West Coast. I mean, what? Why? Where did that come from? I mean, some you wouldn't say that about the Eagles. Wouldn't say it about the Pats. Wouldn't say it about the Jets or Giants. Because they're right there. You're in the you're in the, the city. You're gonna have to face up that criticism. But right. you want to rip the Niners way out in the West Coast, go for it, baby. Rip them up and down. I mean, it just shows the lack of accountability. What you know player, what? He, what he's gonna be wrong and he's gonna look really York, bad. What player added to the New York Yankees would make the New York Yankees bad for baseball? Exactly. You know what it, it just doesn't make much sense. Right. Um Right, so. exactly. That that's well. That's the best way to put it. it I mean, it, does, it doesn't make much sense. Here's the thing: these are these uh, are people that started the year telling us that the Jets could win the Super Bowl. Right. The Warriors, Larry. The Warriors are bad for basketball. Kevin Durant going to the Warriors right. is bad for the NBA. For the NBA, and they, and they haven't even come close to the ratings and attention 
since the team that was bad for the NBA, right? Like the entire world leaned forward to watch this team that you insist is bad for the NBA play in the NBA. And as soon as they got off the stage, people basically stopped fucking watching the NBA. So they weren't bad for it after all. Could you imagine out. if the Knicks had what the Warriors had and you went into oh. a huge diatribe, how Kevin Durant on the Knicks was bad for the NBA? No one. Nobody would ever no say that. One. By the way, if if Steph Curry were a New York Nick, he would be the single most hated athlete in the world because he would have been so shoved down our throats on a nightly basis. Like it, it oh my God. You 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 don't want to live in the world where Steph Curry is a Nick winning championships. It would be like he lived with you. You would hear about him so much. Steph Curry can win championships and MVPs and break three-point records with the Warriors, and we don't even really talk about him that much locally. Like, he's hidden in plain sight for the most part because it's just there's a level of expected greatness here, and we just sort of let it happen, and then we don't, we don't just talk about it incessantly. It, uh, I, anyway, um, let's, get to some, let's get to some super chats. Let's, let's get to it. some, and then, Larry, I want to come back, and we are going to wrap up today's show talking about the NFL coaching carousel. It is spun enough to where we need a little update. So we'll do that to wrap up today's show after we get to all these super chats and some other things that you might have uh, uh, set aside for this segment of Wake Okay. Ernest Angulo says, "Put the fall off season for Brock. Put the fall off season for Brock. How much kid is arm strength improve?" I don't. There's not a lot of English in that. Um, Ernest, I, Ernest, I, Ernest I say, I'm going to buy you a Warner's. I'm going to buy you a Warner's. How about this? I basically think. Can I buy a comma? Uh, Vanna White. Can I buy a comma? I think his question is essentially. What do you think of that Brock Purdy kid? And our answer is we like him. We like him. There you go. But we love you, Ernest. We like him, but we love you. Thank you Kevin very much. Wood, exactly. Kevin Wood says winning this year puts Shanahan in a Hall of Fame discussion. It makes Jed York one of the top young owners in sports. Could Lynch be a two-time Hall of Famer? John Lynch being re-inducted into the Hall of Fame. Do they do that? Has anyone ever gone in as a player and then be inducted as a as a coach or an executive? Has that happened? Did Ozzie Newsom get that? <laughs> no. Once you're in, you're in. But um, sort for the body of work. But I mean, there are some guys who definitely probably could have been. Um, who's who's the? <clears throat> well, John Madden was a great coach, and you know, I mean, he could have been in three times. He could have been in for his broadcasting, is in for his coaching or his video game. But is he in, is, he, is it like the rock and roll hall of fame where Don Henley can go in as a member of the Eagles. And then Don Henley is also inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame as an individual artist. Is that, let me call Chris Rose. Let me call Chris Rose and ask him about the uh, hall of fame, the rock and roll hall of fame. James Foster way, says, I want sorry, them to, What's that? Joe, Joe Mauer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Get the fuck out of here. Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame. Joe Mauer's a first ballot Hall of Famer. What What, what are we doing? Harold we- Baines, Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens, not. Bud Selig, Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds, not. Look, Joe Mauer might very well. Look, he should be a Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer is reserved for the greatest of 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 the greatest. Was Joe, Joe Mauer better than Buster? Hall of Famer is insane. So 
if that's the thing. If Joe Bauer is a first ballot Hall of Famer, Buster Posey should be inducted today. Forget the waiting period. He should be in today, and he should go in unanimously. If if Joe Maurer is a first ballot Hall of Famer, what is Buster Posey? Come on. I love Harold Baines, but come on, man. Harold Baines over Barry Bonds? And I understand How- why Barry Bonds is not in, but Bud Selig presided over the steroid era. Nobody saw their salary escalate like Bud's did. Bud is in. Bonds needs to be in. How how friendly was Joe Maurer to Ann Killian to get into the <laughs> Hall of Fame this quickly? The Baseball Hall of Fame has no credibility because of the way they have uh, handled the the you know the Joe Jacksons, the Pete Roses, the Roger Clemens. The uh, I mean, it's it's supposed to be a freaking museum. What museum do you know of that only uh, remembers the history that they they like to remember? I mean that's basically it. Yeah. I mean well, that's um, mentioned. How do you how does Bud Seelig what Bud Seelig was an executive? He was a used car salesman that current worth is over four hundred million dollars. Much of that wealth and net worth is due to steroids, and yet he is celebrated and in, and he had no discernible talent at all. He just somehow found a way to own the Seattle Pilots, somehow sur- surf that to the Brewers, somehow in the midst of no leadership, uh, got promoted to commissioner, you know, s- presided over the most lucrative period of history due to steroids, and he's in. But Barry Bonds was a special talent who I saw hitting balls 200 feet into the sand dunes at West Sunset as like a 14-year-old who had a gift for the game and is one of the greatest offensive players the game's ever seen and had a Hall of Fame resume in 1998 before any known associations with Balco, Victor Conti, or steroids is not in, but Bud, used car salesman, is in. It's ridiculous. The only thing that Bud Selig did in his commissionership that actually turned out to be good for baseball was expanding the wild card round. I didn't like it at first. Now I obviously see the merit in it. So nice job there, bud. That's a nice, that's a nice little wrinkle that doesn't put you in the hall of fame. The two, the two biggest moments that happened during his commissionership were the advent of the internet and steroids. And bud is responsible for neither of them. And he handled both of them so poorly that that should disqualify him from the hall of fame because the steroid thing turned into a, a puritanical witch hunt of bu- just buffoonery. And, uh, and he's, in- a, and he's a proven liar. Right, and, and if you don't, if you don't know that, go read, go read our good friend, um, uh, Howard Bryant's book on juicing the game where bud claimed to not know anything about performance enhancing drugs four years after he had meetings that were documented to discuss performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, no the guys the guys are charlatan and again there's no there's no sport that was playing during the advent of the internet that became less popular than baseball. So right. great job everyone. Oh, let's get back to the chat here. That's right. a, there's our Hall That's of a, Fame. There's our Bud Seelig's a jackass. Diet tribe of the day. Basically, you can skip baseball season. That's all you need to know everyone. Yeah. The Giants aren't them, and Bud Seelig is not him. All right. Uh, James. They're not them. (laughs) 
<laughs> James Foster. I want them to come out in a five-man front. They did it against Jacksonville from the first play. It set the tone. Jacksonville only scored three points. I want them to tackle better. They missed nine tackles last week against Green Bay. They have to tackle better. I called out Logan Ryan. Steve Wilkes called out everybody else. I don't care whose fault it is. They have to tackle better. Does that even count as a missed tackle for Logan Ryan when he got juked, like just totally out of his, he didn't even touch the player. So is that a missed tackle? I don't even, I mean, I'm calling it a missed tackle to me. It was an embarrassment. Kevin Wood says might need to be a CMC day, but as a slot receiver, that's that I I can see that too. I asked CMC yesterday, Damon. um, I said, Christian, you had 17 rushes against green Bay. What's an ideal number of rushes for you? And he's like, it's not the number. It's what I do with them. And uh, he gave the right answer for sure. Um, But I want to see Christian get 20 20 totes. Um, 20 totes of the rock for Christian. That's at least 25 touches. At least 25 touches. At least. And here's the thing. When McCaffrey is in the slot, that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be an empty backfield for Brock. Put Elijah Mitchell back there. Put Kyle Juszczyk back there. Put Especially, Jordan yeah, if Debo there. can't go, give me uh, give me Elijah in the backfield and give me CMC. Uh, I'll say this, CMC is an incredible athlete, too. The Niners have a have a basketball hoop in their in their locker room. I heard Larry hits threes on that. Uh, Larry airballs threes on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, And hits people changing in the ass with the basketball. But CMC yesterday probably hit five in a row from three he him and him and uh trent williams had a little wager going had a little wager going and trent missed and trent was pissed let's just say that trent trent's a hell of a shooter too but by the way i said trent man you you're not a bad basketball player he's he's like it's my first love you know who's (laughs) a hell of a shooter last night harrison barnes but that's another show would you trade harrison barnes and davion mitchell for andrew wiggins if you were sacramento or I would do that if I was the Warriors. You want Wiggins? I'll take uh, Harrison Barnes back and Davion Mitchell. Let's call it a deal. Would you make that trade? Yeah, I would. I don't know why Sacramento would. Supposedly they're tired of Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell has lost his spot in the rotation, and I think they would do that deal too. Uh, J.J. Raider. Debo probably banged his mom. Is he from Philly? Oh, this is Gardner Johnson video. Gardner Johnson. Thank you, JJ Raider, sponsor of the Ganja Jar. <laughs> there you go. Frank Tom Ocean, LK Jesse Cohn, 2024. Great show, studs. Go 49ers. I appreciate that. Ramon Gonzalez, if at beginning of the year I'm told we played Detroit at home in the NFC Championship game to get to the Super Bowl, I am thrilled. Yeah, there you go. little perspective on this one. But you know what they say, be careful what you wish for. But that's a good point. If you told Niner fans week one, you've gonna have you're gonna be in one game at home to go to the Super Bowl and you're gonna face the Lions. Are you down? You'd be like, hell yeah, bring it on, right? Be careful though, because what is past is sometimes prologue the last time the Detroit Lions won a road playoff game in their franchise's history was at Kizar Stadium in 1958 over the 49ers. So, you don't you don't you don't want to uh have that pendulum swing back to you again. And by the way, too, as good as the Lions are, 
they're just the fucking lions. So you better, you better not lose at home to the lions. I don't can, I get, can I get the, can I get the one ass cheek three toes? You sure can Larry. I'm glad you asked for it. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. <laughs> That's gotta be the greatest soundbite of all time. Followed by come on, Deese. Deese nuts. <laughs> uh, one more, one more on the ass cheek. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. Oh, that is just beautiful. That is a that's a great human being, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I asked Colt McKivitz yesterday. I'm like, dude, win, lose, or draw. Dan Campbell does seem like the like a cool guy to hang out with, and he's like, yeah, he's kind of like an old school football guy. Uh, Scotty B says this game is worth a hundred million or more for Brock. If he wins it, he's the 49ers quarterback for the next six years. If not, Cousins is under center next October. Oh, I don't buy that. No. Come on. Really? Scotty. We're not doing this. They're going to Kirk Cousins if they don't win this game. All, all those Brock's number one in the league. Now you're just going to put that aside. And wh- what happens to Brock then? You're going to trade Brock if he doesn't win this game? You're going to blame Brock for Kirk Cousins? Come on. Come on. Daniel Jordan just says, hey, I'm Daniel Jordan, everybody. Thank, Thank you, DJ. You. Thank you, DJ. Appreciate you. Mon Green Eggcorn says, with the weakened Lions defensive backfield coverage, is Kyle opening the playbook with Hollywood, Flea Flickers, Playground Purdy, Sizzle, or is a vanilla ground and pound play action hang the NFC pelt on the wall? No, I think it's I think it's let it all hang out, baby. You got Kindle, you got you got uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Kindle Vildor. Um, back there, it's time to, it's time to crush some Kindle Vildor, which sounds like a really good bottle of vodka, doesn't it? Damon, would you like a swig off the Kindle Vildor? That's, that's, that's not vodka. That'd be like a scotch, a really peaty, mossy scotch from the, from the Southern Isles. (laughs) It's my special bottle of Kindle Vildor. Well, Kindle Vildor, you know what? Congratulations to you and yours. Open the bottle of Kindle Vildor, honey. <laughs> we will drink no wine before it's time. Kindle Vildor. Uh, <laughs> Greg is gone. Toaster smoke. Uh, Who's getting right. toaster? What's toaster smoke? I don't know, but it just sounds funny. Toaster smoke. All right. There you go. Those are uh, our, our 11 supers for today's show if anybody wants to drop more supers between now and then uh, i will keep my eye on it but let's talk coaches yeah thank you very much again uh, you know appreciate uh tipping the bartender you can certainly help out the bartender just by liking and subscribing so thank you very very much it's also great damon before we get out of here before we get out of here not to interrupt but i saw the odds on what they list as the best casino hotel in las vegas so we can get you can guess what's number one, uh, but I'll give you that. There's the top ten best top casino 10. hotel in Vegas. Yeah, top ten. Well, my, my I mean, I've always got love for Caesars. I'm a Caesars guy. I really like the Cosmo. Caesars is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Oh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I guess it's the top 13 here. Yeah, they're nine. Okay. Well, again, I'm just on the old 1500. School old school guy. Um, it's it's not uh 
It's not the jockey club. They're gone. Goodbye, jockey club. The Yaki club. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Would it be the Venetian, Larry? Is it Encore? The Venetian is plus 600. They're the fourth choice. It's not okay. the Venetian. What, what is this? We're, we're the, the most popular. Is the Cosmo. It's, it, was, it was listed as the best casino hotel in Las Vegas. Casino hotel in Las Vegas. And it's not win. Is it? The win is number two. Win is number two at plus 200. Aria is plus 700. They're number five on the list. It's not the Luxor. It's not Circus Circus. <laughs> circus Circus. It's not Medieval Times. It's Medieval Times. There wasn't a Medieval Times. What was it? Excalibur. Wasn't that one of their... I'll, I'll count it down for you. Here it is. Okay. At plus a ton, the Flamingo. Looks like plus uh, 15,000 uh, Flamingo. Then they've got the Golden Nugget, the D. Not even familiar with the D. 2,500 <laughs> Planet Hollywood, plus okay. 1,500 Caesar's Palace, plus 1,200 the Mirage. Now we're, Mirage. Going back to, now we're going back to the 80s. The Miragi. Plus 850 the MGM Grand which is smaller than some cities or some bigger than some cities plus 700 aria plus 600 the venetian plus 500 cosmo plus 350 the bellagio plus 200 the win and minus 200 as listed as the best casino hotel in las vegas not mandalay Circa. What do you think? Have you been to Circa? So I've been to Circa. And the problem with Circa is that it's it's just not on the strip. It's in old Vegas. Otherwise, so that's where VEASAN is. They had the best sports book you've ever seen in your life in Circa. Uh, they've got the stadium swim. Um, but to, to me, you're, I mean, I, I don't even look at Circa as a, strip property because it's not i wasn't even thinking circa so that's i but i so i've never stayed there i've seen i've, I've had a couple drinks there with goulet that's by that's the way damon just i just want everybody to know this you and i if the niners win on sunday we'll be meeting with the guy who owns the palms to discuss doing a show on a regular basis next next football season on Niner Road Games from the Palms Sports Park. Oh, so we, we will be uh, flying to Vegas eight times next year and inviting people to come out with us for fabulous prizes? Well, we're talking maybe four to eight times. We're taught, we're, we'll are we be in negotiations, but we're, uh, we will have a, a, a dinner, I was told, with the owner of the Palms next okay. week to discuss like us coming out there. I like that. Um, All right. Again, I could, I could get us uh, a... a how about this? When 95-7 the game sent Steinmetz and Guru to Circa, that was a deal that I put together. That was supposed to be me and Ray going, but then I got laid off, and uh, I'm glad that Steiny and Guru had a good time setting up. <laughs> By the way, deal that I put together in person with the owner of the casino. Uh, Mark Graves says, Larry's gambling channel coming up. Callie Young drops this one in there. He says, Larry, make sure you got singles. Oh, what could you possibly be referring to? 
Um, uh, Digital Drew, our good friend, says, like and subscribe, you heathens. Amen. And then we've got this one. This is maybe the one that makes me smile the most. Google and Skynet. If the Niners win the Super Bowl in Vegas, Larry's going to wake up in a gutter somewhere the next morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kevin F says the Maloofs. No, the Maloofs no longer. The Maloofs ran the Palms into the ground in bankruptcy and sold and no longer own it. Thank you, though, for your um, Maloofs references there. That used to be that used to be the JT the Brick hangout. They used to have the uh, what nine I think was the name of the steakhouse inside the Palms for a while there. Um, used to be hot, hot, hot. It really isn't anymore. So, does the Rum yeah, no Jungle one. exist at Mandalay anymore? I don't if know. So, if so, I've got to hit the Rum Jungle. Uh, back Nicotina. There goes Kevin Kruger's college fund. Kevin Kruger's gonna be out of college. You know, within the next year. You're talking about Benjamin Kruger. His college fund and Christopher Kruger's college fund. Um, Herbie Holland. Uncle Damon, by the way, was talking to Kevin Kruger this week saying, look, Kevin, if the Niners are going to the Super Bowl and your dad and I are going, I want you to skip class. I want you to just pull. You you will never learn anything this week in college that will stay with you the rest of your life. Going to the Super Bowl, it'll stay with you. So come with us. Yes, yes. Herbie Holland, and he will be coming. Herbie Holland says, Circa is trash. Please, Caesars, baby. I'm a Caesars guy. The problem, with, again, Circa is nice. It's well done, but it's on the straight up. You are, I mean, this is, you're in the, this is Arkansas side of Las Vegas. The Fremont Street experience. <laughs> this that is, is the, Arkansas. Have yeah, you been to Arkansas? You got some serious, serious redneck patriot. Can patron. I tell you my redneck Arkadelphia story? No. <laughs> I can't tell it to you? No, 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 you certainly can. I've not heard this. Were you at some Okay, so I'm driving from Shreveport to Memphis on a scouting trip. Okay. And I stop at a gas station in Arkadelphia. Arkadelphia. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, that's all you need to know right there. Arkadelphia. I'm in, a, I'm in a, it's it's like a Subway sandwich. Um, it was like a restaurant, a Subway sandwich, and a gas station. Wait, so they got Arkadelphia and they got Texarkana? Like they're yeah. just taking whatever, what, what, they're just stealing whatever city you're you border on. That's going to be the name of it. In fact, once we go there, it'll probably be an Arc Francisco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in Arkadelphia and I'm at a, I'm at a gas station and I look at the guy who's, who's, doing the, you know, running the register. And he's got just, he looks like Marty McSorley. I mean, he's got, he's got like one tooth in the front and the rest is just wide open. Right. I I look at the, the, the guy behind me and he just looked like hell. He's just down on his luck. And I'm like, where the hell am I? And the lady turns to me right in front of me and she's like, oh, you're in Arkadelphia. And I look down. She's feeding a baby that could not have been more than seven or eight months old, a 7-Eleven Slurpee out of a straw. Arkadelphia. Streets of Arkadelphia. (laughs) Arkadelphia. 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 Oh, my God. That's... That's fantastic. That's uh, uh, somebody asked about what's the run jungle. No, no, it's the rum rum R U M jungle. 
again, that was the hot spot in Vegas years ago. I might not even exist anymore. It's like going to Caesars and be like, we're going to pure tonight. Yeah. They pulled pure <laughs> out of here a long time ago, buddy. You're new. You, what are, you know, it's, it's it was sweet though. It, it was sweet. It, it looked like it, it, it had the you know purple lights and the rain and it looked like a rainforest jungle. It was re- very cool spot. Um, I bumped into Sean Elliott there one night. Holland Tracy says, Larry, I hope you convinced Steve to start Brown. Spurs, Sean Elliott? Yes. Okay. Yes. So get this. We both, me, me and Sean Elliott both got booed because I was there for the uh, De La Hoya fight, I believe. And of course, he's just Sean Elliott. And we were both on the list uh, by the people at Mandalay to get into this club. But the club, it was a Friday night and the place was had a line about 350 people down the thing and the girl up front told me and sean elliott as we both walked up to the uh to the front oh you're not on the list so we both start walking back to the line and somebody came running you know she blew it she's wrong she's fired please come in come in of course they just wanted sean elliott who was dressed in like a linen suit larry kruger's here (laughs) larry kruger's here so they they walked us to the front, and because there was like 300 people in line, and we had just walked past all these people to go to the back of the line, they started booing us as we were walking to the front of the line. Getting getting booed at the Rum Jungle. Hey, to write it, you know you've made it when you're getting booed walking into the Rum Jungle. So congratulations. Um, we have a couple more uh, here. Now we're going to talk head coach and carousel, okay. and then we're going to spin out of here. Yes. Herbie Holland says, I see, I need to see Chase Young and Nick Bosa, especially Bosa, play like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt this Sunday. Please! They need to make a major impact. Herbie, hey. you, truer words have never been spoken. Yeah, and, and look, Nick Bosa's had a good year. He's not paid to have good years. He's paid to have great years. And this was not a great year for really any element of the Niners defensive line, they can make all of that go away by showing up this Sunday. And then in one more game and all, if I was, if I was talking uh, to chase young, I'd say, Hey, chase, it's been a decent year. You come through with a couple high, high profile sacks and somebody's going to cut you a fat check. This this uh, this March. Yeah, do it for so. team reasons. Do it for selfish reasons. Do it for all those contract year reasons. Let's go. Mon Green, Eggcorn. Predictions on Purdy's box score Sunday night. I think he's going to throw 67% completions. Uh, he's going to throw for 290 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and the 49ers are going to win 31-20. If you're selling all of that right now, I'll buy it. It sounds pretty good to me. Are you ready to uh, do a little spin of the uh, head coaching carousel? Yeah, let's do it. Because we got a new name hopping on the carousel. A couple of them. First of all, obviously, 60-year-old Jim Harbaugh is leaving Ann Arbor in the rearview mirror to come back to the NFL. Harbaugh with the Los Angeles Chargers is the most important thing to happen to the Chargers since moving to Los Angeles, to be completely honest. Uh, Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh and a defense that he will make better are going to be a factor, I think, right away. Look out yeah. in that AFC West. You got Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and the Raiders obviously are coming back with Antonio Pierce, who's got uh, you know a locker room behind him, but Raiders dysfunction still to overcome. AFC West just got better, man. 
It reminded me of my Sac State public speaking class, Damon, where I would wait for the person who couldn't speak at all and then say, I'll go next. Uh, that's Jim Harbaugh. Mike Singletary can't coach his way out of a paper bag. I'll go next. Brandon Staley's a tire fire. I'll go next. He is so smart because he goes to the places where there's talent in place. They're ready to win, but they had a horrible coach. And then he steps in. They're going to be in the Super Bowl within three years. And I also think that Jim Harbaugh can smell an owner he can bully. And I think oh, yeah. that he looks at the Spanos ownership group and thinks, all right, they should be on team do whatever I say really quickly. And that is how Jim wants to operate. Uh, so Harbaugh, 60-year-old man, is the oldest coach to take a new job this year. And it's not Bill Belichick because the news is the Atlanta Falcons, after interviewing Bill Belichick twice and everyone in the world reporting that that deal's all but done, it's Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, 47 years old, back to Atlanta as the team's new head coach. Remember, he was named their interim coach when Dan uh, Dan Quinn got his. And Good um, coach, really good coach. He is a good coach. And, oh, by the way, Sean McVay's got an opening and a defensive coordinator position to fill now. So um, interesting move there. Raheem Morris, back to Atlanta. Dave Canales, only 42 years old. This is maybe the most surprised, didn't see it coming higher of the entire cycle. He's now with the Panthers. He's going to go deal with whatever bullshit David Tepper's got for him. But Tampa That's Bay Tampa's OC, right? Yep, Tampa lost yeah. its offensive coordinator. Jared Mayo, youngest of the group, 37 years old. The man in waiting now in New England. Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, 39 years old, Larry. He's now with the Tennessee Titans. But every single one of these guys, including Raheem Morris, Except for Jim Harbaugh, you and I are older than all these guys, man. That's the, 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 this is a young man's game. This oh, it's an absolutely young man's game. And now the question is, um, everybody thinks that it's a fait accompli that the commanders and Adam Peters are going to hire Ben Johnson away from the Lions. So a lot of people feel like Ben Johnson's going to get that commander's job. And then who's going to get the Seattle job? Dan Quinn? I mean, that's the, the talk. Um, we'll see there. But you know what it means is that Belichick is not getting any of these jobs. There were tons of people that laughed when I said Bill Belichick should be the Niners' pivot if they lose this year as their defensive coordinator. But think about it logically. And the people are like, well, he can have any job he wants. He's going to have his pick of jobs. Really? There you go. Every you know, There was a bunch of jobs available. He got none of them. So what's Bill Belichick going to do? He's either going to retire. He's going to be as a defensive czar somewhere or he's going to be a consultant. If the Niners lose either Sunday or in the Super Bowl, Kyle will not blame himself. Invariably, it will come out, it will fall down on the defense. And I think the Niners should cut Bill. I'm not saying they will, and I'm not saying that that uh, Belichick would take it. But Belichick loved, loved Shanahan. Shanahan loves Belichick. Shanahan told me years ago that he studies Belichick's defensive plans every week. Belichick's defense this year wasn't like he lost his fastball. Their defense was better than the Niners' defense. The Niners are supposed to have this awesome defense. They were eighth in total D. New England had a nightmare year. They were seventh in total D. Belichick, the general manager, undid 
Belichick the head coach. But Belichick, the de- the uh, defensive czar, is absolutely still as genius as he's ever been. If I'm John Lynch, if I'm Jed York, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I don't even care if I win. Win or lose, I would hire Bill Belichick and give him a huge check to come in here and run the thing. Why? Because, one, there is no better current defensive backfield coach than Bill Belichick. He's got a great eye for defensive backfield talent, and he's a great coach of defensive backfield play. And look at the 49ers right now. They have Talanoa Hafanga, Demo Lenore, Ambry Thomas, Jair Brown, Samuel Womack, Darrell Luter Jr. They have six really young DBs. And if they lose, they're probably going to say goodbye to guys like Tayshawn Gibson, Isaiah Oliver, and Logan Ryan, and go get three or four more young kids in the draft. They're going to have a baby secondary. Um, and they're, and what better person to coach a baby secondary than maybe the greatest defensive backfield coach, um, one of the greatest in history. I mean, he's right there with Ray Rhodes, Bud Carson, uh, Pete Carroll, um, George Seifert, um, you know, as far as great, you know, Ray Rhodes is maybe one of the best ever, but Bill Belichick maybe is the best defensive backfield coach ever. And the Niners have a bunch of young DBs and there is no cap on what you pay your, your defensive coaches. I'd give him the big bag to come here next year. Win, lose or draw. I mean, I, I, I don't know Everybody how laughed at it that initially, it's, but it sounds like a great dream, but it sounds a little pipe dreamy to me now. Well, what's maybe, he going to do? Well, that's the thing. Maybe he doesn't want to do anything. And maybe, maybe he said, if he's I interviewing, though, he's been interviewing I be out. I don't know. I don't know. Does he want to be just a defensive coordinator and just bury himself in the X's and O's and not deal with media anymore? Maybe. How, how about not DC? Maybe. How about, how about not DC? How about this? How about, if they if they moved on from Wilkes, and I'm not saying they should, but if they did, what do you think of Vrabel as the DC and bring in Belichick as like the defensive consultant? I mean, you're talking about football genius. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan's got the offense. The last thing Kyle Shanahan wants to be doing is putting his fingerprints in any way on the defense. Sean McVay won a Super Bowl where he was just the offensive guy and he had Wade Phillips as like the defensive head coach. Why not do the same? I mean, I sure. It sounds great. Yes. I would suggest bringing in Bill Belichick to coach your team or consult with your team in any capacity, if available. I sure. I also can't, I just can't see it happening. Can't picture it. No, I know. I can't can't picture it. I I will say this. And I, I brought this up before. Bill Walsh, I mean, we're talking about a, Bill Belichick's in his 70s. Bill Walsh in his 70s, after he won with the Niners, coached Stanford and then came back as like a Niner VP. Ozzie Newsome is older. He's one of the greatest GMs ever. I just ran into him in the press box the other day. He's a D, he's a personnel consultant for Eric DaCosta, who's the general manager. Sid Gilman is like the, fo- the father of the forward pass he was the Eagles quarterback coach in 1981, two decades after he made his name with the Rams. All I'm saying is there is a place for the veteran awesome coach. Um, I mean, Dante Zarnecchia is probably close to 80. 
the best coaches, the smartest football men, there's always a spot for them in your organization if you're smart. It would be the Vic Fangio move with a better version of Vic Fangio, right? Yeah. That's that's why Vic Fangio is going to Philly, right? Is he going to Philly now? Yeah, he's going to Philly. All right. Yeah, Philadelphia made a lot of uh, different moves to their coordinators, but uh, it's amazing that both Sirianni and Mike McCarthy survived kind of some epic collapses in the postseason, but it happened. Um, So there you go. There's your coaching carousel. And by the way, it does feel like Kyle Shanahan has been doing this forever around here now, and he has gone so salt and pepper uh, in, in his five o'clock shadow and a little bit around up top too. It feels like he's a, you know, Kyle starting to turn into an old man. He's got to be getting closer to 50. No, Kyle Shanahan is still only 44 years old and he just turned 44 in December, Larry. He's still, I mean, if Kyle, here's the thing, if Kyle Shanahan wins a Super Bowl and gets that house credit that really stays with him, he could coach this team for another decade. He could coach this team for another decade if he gets his Super Bowl. And then, you know, it's just the world opens to him. It's already kind oh, of I'd, his lo- I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I mean, I, you know, I like Kyle. I think he's smart. Um, and, um, you know, to me, Kyle Shanahan is Andy Reid before Mahomes. And now he's got Purdy and it's time to win. You know, he has his guy. And the question is, is Purdy good enough to climb the top of the to the top of the mountain? I personally think he is. There's obviously people that don't agree with me. We're gonna find out. Larry, uh, when when you need a guy, Lowry. Wait a second. I've got one more on that on that front. Don't go there yet. Okay. Joseph Vernberg says, Would you say the Lions are harder or easier opponent than the Packers? Also love the show, guys. Makes me excited for Fridays and Mondays, which hey, Joseph, that makes us excited. Seriously, that you would feel that way. I think it's an easier opponent. What do you think? I do, too. I Well, you and I both said that. Well, look, when we say something one week, it doesn't mean it vanishes the next week. We both said that we thought the Packers represented the hardest team to beat of the remaining Final Four in, in the NFC. Obviously, you can't play yourself. So we were talking about the Packers being more dangerous than the Lions or the Buccaneers. And I still believe that. This should be an easier game. Th- there's a part of me that hopes that... This really is a fun NFC championship game, and there's a sense of real celebration, not just tight sitting on pins and needles, Levi Stadium all Sunday afternoon. Like the Niners have the capacity to beat the Lions hard and loud. Now, look, the Lions are no pushovers. They've got the capacity to win this game. Absolutely, they do. But the Niners should... The Niners should be at their best, and they just got the ugly one out of the way. And I think that that's good too. You know, they're—I think they're—they're just—they gotta be ready for this moment. They've been in this moment for three years in a row. They know about it. The pressure to be this—you got to go to the Super Bowl. There's no other outcome that can even be close to being dressed up to being successful, other than a Super Bowl appearance. So it's got to happen. They need to make it happen. They got to make it happen, Larry. As the old coach, as the old coach used to say to me, Larry, you're fucking lazy. And then he would say, but it's the way you play the day you play. Look, you know, if it doesn't happen, we're right back to where we started this year with Grant counting fucking training camp interceptions like they're the biggest deal in the world and and it's going to be a year of 
no matter what they do in the regular season, there's going to be some asshole in the chat going, can't win the big one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that you <laughs> won know. by 30 this week. They fucking suck. Seriously, they, get it Let, done. Just please get it done. Shut that guy up. And I just I can't deal with it anymore. All right. M- MF, MF says, Larry and Damon, I'm going to be in a state of depression when the Niners win the Super Bowl and then the Giants start. It's the most boring product ever at third and king. You are right. And then he follows it up with Larry and Damon are my favorite Giants Niners takes of all time. Thank MF, MF is the much. man. He is the man. Look, uh, it's got to happen for just sanity to come back into the conversation. Our sanity, the sanity of this franchise, the sanity of all involved who cover it, who talk about it. It's just they, the 49ers have been stuck on pretty freaking good for way too long. They got to take it that one step further. It's time to run through the tape, baby. This is it. This is it. Um, All right. By the way, speaking of this is it, I found an awesome Trent Balky. Here we go. Here we go. This is is live and current Trent Balky dodging blame. By the way, Sunday, your Niner fans are going to see how great Aiden Hutchinson is right. Aiden Hutchinson is a blue chipper, but he didn't go first. He went second in the draft because Trent Balky took Trayvon Walker instead. Oh, I might have gotten that one wrong. And here's Trent today trying to deflect the blame. Let's just say the entire defensive staff of the Jaguars. I know you guys don't follow the Jaguars that closely. The entire defensive staff of the Jaguars shit canned. But Trent keeps his job. The man who took Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson has this to say. To, 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 to where you want, I mean, I know you always want more, but have you drafted enough when you look back at it or have there been too many misses, especially in those middle and late rounds? I, I, we, we Again, we feel we've got some pretty good football players. Sometimes you got to execute the vision that you had for, for these players. Uh, you know, Coach and I have talked a lot, a lot about uh, this year's class in particular. You know the onboarding process of them, getting them up to speed, trusting them. Uh, we're we're in a state of development. You're, you're in a developmental league now. Uh, you don't have time to um, say that we can shelve them for a year. Or we can shelve them for two years. You got to get them up to speed quick. And uh, when you when you go in and you have as much collaboration as we do, because trust me, we have a lot of collaboration on these decisions. It's not one person making the, uh, these decisions. So when you look at bringing in a player and the vision you have for them. At the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, did we execute that vision or didn't we? And uh, I think if you ask coach, and certainly you're asking me right now, we've got to do a better job of, of that vision and executing it. But we feel really good about the young players we got. Have they all reached their, their potential? Not, not yet. Uh, there's still a lot of growth to be had, but we trust we've got a pretty good nucleus of young players on this football team. <laughs> it's it's an execution of an onboarding of a vision of a developmental league, and this isn't a developmental league, but we're developing players. So you know, it's uh, if imagine if Walker had only had a torn ACL, what we could have done with that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people now would easily say Damon and Lowry that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson should have been the pick. And I understand that. And the coach and I have talked about that, but really at the end of the day, it's more important that we fire all those, all those defensive coaches and get new guys in here because I'm a really great drafter, and what I do is really 
spot on. I know what I'm doing. I know I know a football player, Lowry, when I see one. And yeah, maybe this Hutchinson kid maybe been pretty good and he might have been good here too, you know. But uh we like Trayvon Walker, and if we can just keep firing the defensive coordinators, uh, then I can just sit here and pretend like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I probably should have taken Hutchinson, but this is the way I talk, and this is the way I draft. You know, you just got to live with it, Lowry. Just once. Just once. I'd love to see somebody <laughs> step up to a microphone and be like, you know what? I got it wrong. I fucked up, man. Aiden Hutchinson's the man. He's I got, got it wrong. He, he he makes Nick Bosa look just kind of ordinary. The guy's got eight sacks in four games. I picked Trayvon Walker. I, I was looking at a spreadsheet. Uh, I But at least we got all the defensive coaches fired um, because I don't know what I'm doing. If I had taken Hutchinson, they'd be all be here. But instead, I needed a scapegoat, so they're all, so they're all out of here, Lowry. Should have taken Aiden Hutchinson. That's what I would have told you in the afternoon drive down in Jacksonville. And, you know, we moved to Jacksonville because we thought it would be a nicer lifestyle over here. You get much more bang for the buck in Jacksonville. But, unfortunately, Trent Baalke is still making the wrong decisions. The right decision, of course, is to go to a Michi's and try the Minestrone. Oh, the Minestrone is just it's, it's phenomenal. And I tell you, there's a nice – what is that? Is, I believe – Tommy, is that a cannelloni bean? I think there's a cannelloni bean that is in the Minestrone. It's really – Really, really good. It's a beefy bean. You know, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> now. I like to go ahead and add a little <laughs> a beefy bean. Beefy bean. You know, it's funny. It, I I told Tom. I told I told I told Kate. I, I told Craig. We were we were all at Amici's and we were having lemon pepper wings, not the atomic, because it burns my mouth. And I told Dave, don't get the atomic. Get spicy. They go mild and spicy and atomic. I like atomic, but it's too spicy. So anyway, we're having the spicy wings, and I said, go, Aiden Hutchinson. How many times did I say Hutchinson over over Walker? Tom, Tom, tell me, Tom, right? Come on. I always knew Hutchinson was going to be the guy. I was driving around San Rafael in my Miata, and I said, Hutchinson, Hutchinson. Miata. The fucking me. I forgot about the Miata. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ralph. Oh, rest in peace, my friend. Oh, rest in peace. Fantastic. The great, the great hey, Ralph. Larry, it's been a hell of a year, and we can officially now welcome everyone to football season because we all agreed that football season for the 49ers doesn't begin until they're in the NFC Championship game. So welcome to football season, everyone. As a matter of fact, let's take it a step further. You've officially achieved What an awesome, awesome Sunday of football it's going to be. Who's coming out of the AFC game? Chiefs. I agree. Chiefs, Chiefs are going to win on the road. Never go against Mahomes. Chiefs, Niners, part two, electric boogaloo. I think we see it in Las Vegas. I hope I'm right about that. I hope Larry and I are doing wake-ups for you, getting cocktails out of our eyes, uh, and, and, and just struggling in mornings in Las Vegas. We'd love to be struggling with you in mornings in Las Vegas. Seriously. I mean, we partied our asses off in new Orleans when we had bosses now that we're our own bosses. Oh my God. Um, I, yeah. Watch out. Watch out. Zachary Kelway. One more super on the way out. He says every 49er wake up brought to you by peyote and hope (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, every year with Kyle, 
at head coach and Lynch at general manager is another bite of at the apple. Don't let fans who don't understand coaching and management into your headspace, Damon. So there this you go, Zachary. Very good no advice. Thank you very much, Zachary. Appreciate it. What do you got Appreciate cooking the rest of the day today, today, Damon? I know it's a big Friday championship uh, weekend Friday. What do you got going? Yeah, well, I can tell you we're going to do uh, we're going to take some calls. We're going to do a little sports phone Friday. America's longest running, continuously running sports phone show is now exclusively on Damon Bruce Blues. So come on over. We're going to be taking some video chat calls. We're going to be uh, uh, getting ready. I'm already starting to think about what next week looks like and some big guests that could come down the pipe then. But um, after that, it's uh, th tomorrow is Jillian's birthday. So we're kicking it into Jillian birthday mode. Uh, we're having a little party for her. So I maybe go to Amici's. I mean, I thought about maybe, I mean, get the, you definitely go to Amici's, get her a pie. Uh, you know, you're your lovely wife. You're really in the overachievers club, Damon. I've always said that. Ask her if she'd like to go for a ride in the Miata. Have a great time at Costco, Larry. Everyone enjoy the NFC Championship game, and we will be back Monday morning, 8 a.m., win, lose, or draw, hopefully following a win to get you excited for either the Super Bowl or the offseason. I know which one I would prefer. Larry, thank you. Everyone, thank you. Hit like and subscribe on the way out. Go Niners. Hey, for on my channel today, 1045, uh, Chase Sr. is going to stop by. We'll break down this matchup at 2 p.m. Coach Yak is going to be in the house, and I love Coach Yak. We both have the Niners winning roughly the same, 31. He says 31-21. I'm saying 31-20, uh, 49ers. Um, but tune in 2 o'clock this afternoon for that. And, you know, I'll tell you, yeah, right now, right now, Trayvon Walker doesn't look as good as Aiden Hutchinson, but we're going to go to Amici's. We're going to get up high, and before the afternoon, Trayvon Walker will fulfill his potential. Damn it. <laughs>